0: I'm sitting in the railway station, got a ticket for my destination.
1: Mm. I'm going to open the show by doing something that you're never supposed to do, which Uh-oh. is sending somebody to another property on the internet.
2: Yeah, you're right. You're breaking a cardinal rule here of podcasting.
1: We've got cardinals.
2: Uh, we do now.
1: I've always wanted a uh, Cardinal. There's an Oriole. Uh, what other baseball teams are based on bird names? Blue Jays. Blue Jays. Yeah. The uh, Eagles.
2: Sh- sure. Yes. <laughs> uh, I the I want to make some Hawks. up. The Hawks. The Phoenixes. The
1: Boo Boobies.
2: The Blue-footed Boobies. Yes.
1: <laughs> That's got to be a minor league team somewhere. <laughs> Uh, Stop all this. Uh, There's a new, or I don't know if it's new, but there's a great uh, channel on YouTube called Get in the Robot. Yes. Which, yes, you know about it.
2: Well, you have told me about it, and you sent me a link to a particular Miyazaki... Um, well, I thought that inspired like that. A video, which I watched and I thoroughly enjoyed.
1: And it's a bunch of people who are very young and way cooler looking than I'll ever be, uh, <clears throat> talking about anime and basically just like you know, uh, what am I trying to say? Like my perspective is strange because like I'm an old guy who sure, like I was there when you know anime first. We called it Japanimation back then, oh, which yeah. may or may not actually um, be sayable today. But right. um, first made its way onto our shores. And, you know, we thought it was cool because there's a lot of blood and stuff like that. And, but I mean, like, what do I know? That's my... I grew up on the Flintstones, and then some guy's getting his head popped. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> but these are kids, and I don't use that derisively. I just mean I'm old, that have grown up in a sea of this. and you know, they're talking yes. about like examples of stuff, like when they're talking about Sailor Moon, they're like, that was, I couldn't wait till I was older and then I could go back and watch Sailor Moon. It's like, oh, you weren't alive when that was on. Oh, okay. Yeah. So anyway, sounds derisive, not. Just, I'm saying they know it so much better because they've just lived it. And the channel is great because it talks about the kind of things that we like to talk about, like the sort of tropes of fiction. And it talks about things like, you know, the origins of the Magical girl transformation mm-hmm. or why the eyes are that way or um, there was a f- recent um, flap over uh, n- uh, Netflix uh, taking over or having the license for uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yes. Another thing that they were, they were babies, I guess, when it came out. But it, it came out on Netflix and they had redubbed it, which I'm always like, why redub it?
2: Why, why make more work for yourself?
1: You can't really improve the visuals, I guess. This Unless you through. like remaster it, you can't. You know, you can redo completely the animation,
2: but the voice. They did the for Silverman Crystal.
1: Why change it? Yeah. So anyway, um, so they changed it and they changed the meaning of a lot of lines. And one of them was uh, specifically a problem because it basically like erased a character's uh, queerness. And mm-hmm. so they had like a video about, um, how dubs can change. Character aspects and erase queerness in anime, and that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just and they're you know it's just a lighthearted kind of fun delivery. And yeah, I mean, if I had a bunch of money and a bunch of kids that were younger than me, uh, I would be telling them like Charlie's Angels. I'd be sending them on missions to make great videos about anime.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: Does that sound uh, like a weird scenario?
2: I don't think it sounds that weird. Um, Could there be an
1: anime show where a mysterious figure, me? It orders about a team of teens to go make amazing content. Yeah, I and can see it. And then before they sit down to edit, they're like, content power! And then sh- like a 45 second like intro of them like swirling around and they're grabbing their mouse and then <laughs> charges up and they get a cool editing outfit.
2: Uh, I-, I like how this sounds. This sounds great.
1: That's what I want to see.
2: Yeah, I want to see that too. Be the um, change you want to see. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think they're... It's it's very entertaining. It's obviously really well researched, but they deliver it well too. Like yeah. I mean, because you can watch videos that are really well researched and they can be really dry and boring. Yeah. But um, they they know what they're doing. The production value is is pretty good for for YouTube videos. I mean, I I know you it can it can vary. Um, they have a nice camera. Yeah, they have a nice camera. Uh, but the, they obviously know how to deliver stuff too. Yeah. So
1: yeah. Speaking of dry and boring, it's the just enough Troll podcast. I'm uh, your host Caliban joined as always by my co-host.
2: Hi, I'm Mikan Hana.
1: And we're here to bring you all the news. that's fit to cast in the world of nerdy entertainment this week, a little bit of a different kind of show or a reflective show, which is it? Uh, if you're looking both? in a yes, if 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 a mirror, if you're looking in a funhouse mirror, mm-hmm. that would be different and reflective, I suppose. Yes. So it's a funhouse mirror type of show. Uh, we've got a review of a major movie release, Spider-Man: Far From Home. Yes. Uh, we are well, a week late on our review. That's okay because we were at Convergence mm-hmm. when it came out, yep. and then right after that, we were at Shoreleave Convention. Convergence yes. is one of the largest. It is the largest fan run convention in the Midwest. It's in the oh, Twin I didn't Cities. Realize that. Okay. It's got to be. What's bigger?
2: I don't know what's bigger. Come on, I, I don't have any idea. Um, <laughs> well, then why challenge me? I don't know. Keep your mouth shut. Okay, I'll keep it shut.
1: It's uh, it's yeah. It's one of the biggest, if not the biggest. Uh, It's a great show, and we had a series of shows uh, from a couple weeks ago or from, I guess, last weekend that you can check out if you want to know more about our experiences there. While we were there, we talked to some of the guests at the show and some of the invited participants and artists Mm -hmm. and things that were there. So we'll have some interviews with them, Mm -hmm. uh, the first of which would be an interview with, again careful don't send people to other people's podcasts but it's not a zero-sum game uh the ladies the titular ladies from rosemary's ladies that's right molly and jen sat down to talk with us about their horror themed podcast Mm -hmm. and watching uh, ladies watching horror movies giving you their perspective on them talk about young people
2: i know they're young it's another yeah i know I try not to think about it. Wish I could be young. Especially. Um, Will
1: they be part of my editing Sentai squad? That's what I need to know.
2: Um, Sure. Sup-
1: super editing okay. Sentai squad. <laughs> uh, we also <laughs> talked to Alan Turner, who is mm-hmm. uh, one of the, uh, he's a creator. He's a video yes. game. You look at his like list of things he does right. and it's like multi, multi hyphenate. He does yeah. so many things. Uh, but he is a writer and a creator and a dancer and a performer and all yeah. this sort of stuff. But we talked to him mainly about his work in the, in the video game sphere.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he had a lot of really interesting things to say. Um, talk about uh, representation and uh, just kind of what the creative process was like for him. Um, which I think, you know, is always interesting to hear about from creators because everybody has their own process. Um, and they come at, you know, the... Um, Creating in a different way, um, and he was uh, just very, uh, very nice. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, he was very nice. Um, not that like most people we talked to are really nice. I'm just saying, like he was a guest of honor, and he made time to talk to us, which yeah. was cool.
1: Yeah, and uh, we talked about uh, well, we'll get into it in the interview, but we talked about the educational. Um, sort of potential, uh, unrealized, in my opinion, of uh, of video games. Mm -hmm. And so we'll get to that. And then we also talked to Nancy Atkinson, who's the author of Eight Years to the Moon, The History of the Apollo Missions, which it says what it does, it does what it says. It is a book about the untold stories of the Apollo missions and getting people on the moon. And that was a fun talk too, so we'll get to that in a little bit. Also, I should say, nice... Uh, Rosemary's ladies nice.
2: Yeah, everybody, single Alan Allen yeah, okay. is
1: nice. <laughs> everybody it sounds was like nice. Everybody else was a jerk. <laughs> okay, but yeah, yeah everybody you're right. was Sorry. very nice. That and was then not what I meant. We'll also be talking, of course, about the news. How you doing?
2: I'm doing well, Cal. Um, recovering.
1: How about no, you? Yeah. Yeah. Recovering from an amazing weekend at Shore Leave Convention.
2: Yes, it was an amazing weekend. Yeah. Um, That's pretty good. Should we talk about? What made it amazing, or there's we get to that
1: later okay there's a segment we'll
2: get to the segment, let's wait later. For that
1: segment, but the next segment is the news well we're a little behind on the news because we uh, did not really do news for our convergence shows, so right. let's do that patented news blast this time in Baja flavor and we'll just <laughs> uh, try to get through it as soon as we can here. Did okay. you know that uh, it, there's, the deal has been made. The dream is real. Ooh. Sandman will be coming to Netflix yes. with Neil Gaiman and David Goyer producing.
2: Yeah. Neil Gaiman is just making deals left and right. <laughs>
1: just, what does that mean? Um, he well, sold his car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know how to feel about so this. So hot right now. Yeah. Neil Gaiman. So hot right now. <laughs> So hot for the last 25 years.
2: I, I know, but I just mean like TV property wise, like he's got American Gods. Good Omens just came out. Um, it just, I think. It only
1: took 25 years.
2: I, I know, right? Uh, so now like Sandman's going to happen. Uh, and, and I do think, and I know we were talking about a Sandman deal a couple of years ago with, um, what's his name? Give, tell me what his name is. Was like, I just blanked on it.
1: Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Yes,
2: thank you. Uh, attached to play Dream. Uh, that fell through. Uh, I have to say... Which
1: <laughs> it's too bad. I want to see a Dream in a in a, in a wife beater and he's like, Hey, what's up? You like Dreams? <laughs> Gotta get some of these Dreams. Right? Man, I got all kinds of Dreams.
2: <laughs> I, that's my
1: JGL. I don't know. I like it. He's starting a podcast.
2: Is he really? Which is
1: like, oh boy. How did it take that long? Yeah. Cause he had that whole record plus press, press play or whatever. Huh. Remember, like his brother, I don't know if it's his twin brother, but they were very close in age and they're very similar looking. But it's like, what if you like let put George L. Gordon let out out to seed? Like you gave him some dreadlocks, and his like brother was like an artist and a performer. Okay, and, like, you know, like a walking living devil stick. <laughs> and uh, now wow. I'm gonna bring the room down a little bit. He died.
2: Oh no! Uh, yeah,
1: and so but they had been working on this like. Kind of like a, know who knows how bullshit it is, but like the way like Project Greenlight is bullshit, like sort of like a Project Greenlight. I don't
2: know what Project Greenlight is. <laughs> it's the
1: way where Damon and Affleck were like, we're going to give these young filmmakers a chance to bl- bl- whatever. Oh, okay. And who cares? Uh, but anyway, but it was like getting, you know, creators who were trying things out, getting them on to like the internet and getting people to see them and kind of just at least giving you like a push, giving okay. you the start, which is like, there wasn't a podcast already connected to that. Right. What? You're not so, doing your marketing right. So
2: they were like uh, the fire Festival, except for... Um, Are
1: you going back to Affleck and Damon?
2: Well, maybe. Uh, for um, uh, new upcoming creators sort of thing.
1: <laughs> so they they got all the new creators on an island. Yeah. They gave them a cheese sandwich. <laughs> yes. And they said, good luck. Yeah. Maybe like And then it rained. Maybe not. Okay. I don't know about this. Uh, Will it fit on TV? I don't know. I think just it's perfectly designed and perfectly executed in the comic book realm. Yes. Why why bother? But
2: I think as a miniseries or, you know, a TV, TV series, I think it makes way more sense than doing a film because there's just way too much cover to make it a film.
1: Possibly. Um, yeah. And as an anthology, do you cover the long-running you know, mythology behind the characters? Right. Aren't they more <laughs> intriguing when they are characters who are sort of the... It's like, what if the... Remember the storyteller? Jim Henson's oh, the storyteller.
2: Yeah, I've seen a couple. Yes.
1: Yeah. What if John Hurt had like a meta plot going, actually, you know what? It's been a long time since I've seen he it. I don't been, know if I've seen not. them all. Yeah, at the end we find out that John Hurts like works for the CIA and his dog's got a camera in his face or something like that. <laughs> but you know, yeah, like he introduces stuff, but then you know, every once in a while, oh, he's there's some story going on with him.
2: Yeah, that but that's could not going to be it. No,
1: it's going to be. Dream's got a Ferrari that's got flames in it, and the headlights are like stars in deep pools of water, and it's going to just drive down the road, Highway 66.
2: Yeah. Um. I, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be
1: brief lives, just the whole thing's going to be brief lives.
2: Yeah, I could see that happening. It's kind of hard to like, like you said. Like, what do you, what do you do? Do you do the anthology or do you do the, the through line? I
1: know what you don't do. What don't you do? You don't spend ten minutes on your first story. We're okay, moving on. We're moving looking on. at '80s properties that are being rebooted. Uh, the next one up is Neil Blomkamp's RoboCop movie. Boo! (laughs) Which will ignore the 2014 remake, which in turn ignored the original three movies. Right. um, Two, one and a half of them are good. Uh, And it's going to not do, it's basically going to be what you think of as RoboCop. Big, chunky, slow, uh, you for your corporation, you know, not uh, the slick, fast, Jill Kinnaman uh, RoboCop.
2: Okay, but... Which
1: didn't have to fail.
2: No, it didn't. It didn't but have it,
1: to fail. But it, it did. I thought that there was a seed, a core of an interesting commentary in the way that the first one was a satire and was just like Paul Verhoeven's brush is a mile wide. And he just paints this thing of consumer culture and like, yeah, corporatization of uh, the police forces and things like that. Um, the the new one is very much about the sort of like the new war, like just be like eternal war. Um, c- c- corporations getting involved in in war and, and private military companies and like a violation of privacy and surveillance and stuff, but also keeping your hand,
2: <laughs> right? Because that's the that's the big change guys, we want to make. Got, the car a blows up in the guy's face
1: and he's still got a face. Yeah, lost all of his body, got a face in got hand got a face in hand. Yeah.
2: Um. Yeah, I still I don't understand why this needs to be made. I don't think it does.
1: Okay, short and sweet. Love it. Yeah. What about a Gremlins remake? Or more accurately, an animated series?
2: Um, I think this could work. Um, <laughs> uh, and I think when you were talking before, you mentioned that it's a prequel.
1: It's a prequel series. It's mm-hmm. going to be 10 episodes set in 1920s Shanghai.
2: Which... Uh, and I think we also mentioned this when we were talking about it. Like, you need to be really careful. Focusing on Ooh.
1: Mr. Wing. Yes. The proprietor, uh, by the time of uh, 1984, of the Curio Shop. where yes. uh, William Peltzman's dad, who is William
2: Peltzman Sr.? I don't
1: remember the dad's name. I don't remember. Uh, he's got a gun that shoots toothpaste. Uh, he buys yes. the uh, Mogwai. Yes.
2: Gizmo. Um, or we'll find out
1: Gizmo's real name.
2: Oh, maybe we will. Um which I'm fine with and I'm totally cool doing a prequel, like Randy. but yeah, it's a just like a, something really lame.
1: Like, I'll, I'll call it Gizmo. Let's yeah, call it Gizmo.
2: Exactly. Um, uh, can we like just make sure that it's sensitive though? Uh, and like, look, like, James I think Hong, it's cool. It's happening James in Hong 1920 has to work. Shanghai. But... James
1: Hong has to work next month. <laughs> He's, he can't go a single month without working. So we got to get him in there.
2: How are we going to get him in there though? Because it's going to be like a younger version of him. No, well,
1: he'll just play...
2: Oh, he could voice it.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, Yeah. Kung Fu Panda. Okay. He was in Kung Fu Panda.
2: (laughs) Of course he was. (laughs) He's just
1: on speed dial, uh, which is both good because he is amazingly talented and from here, and also bad because, come on, Hollywood, where are the Asians...
2: You should tell your story of when you saw him at Wizard World. He was eating time. a sandwich. I know. It was it was funny, though.
1: And the second half of the story is I tweeted a picture of him eating the sandwich, which I probably shouldn't have. I'm not sure that. Speaking of violating privacy. Stars are real
2: people, too. And
1: he liked the picture. So. Yeah. I guess we're all good. <laughs> Stars are people, too. Stars uh, are typecast as Old Chinese Man, too. <laughs> uh yeah uh what about uh what about that old there little mermaid you heard that a little mermaid has been cast i did a girl or sorry a woman named holly bailey now hold on holly bailey yeah
2: not, say that. not holly
1: berry yeah. holly bailey
2: say that 10 times fast I don't want and to. don't get them confused I don't want to. <laughs> yeah uh it'd be a very different film if holly berry was playing little mermaid because she wouldn't be so she can't sing she wouldn't be so little
1: We know that she can't sing.
2: Oh, I didn't realize that.
1: Well, she's, you know, made light of that, I think.
2: Okay. Well,
1: this woman can sing. Yes. She is a recording star, uh, R&B, and yeah, so that's what they were going with there. They definitely had that uh, in mind. Guess who didn't like this?
2: Lots of people. Eh,
1: You know, loud people
2: naysayers on the internet trolls yeah. if you will
1: but i did think it was cool that holly berry herself said you know hey great job right you know holly represent yeah there you go so uh we'll see how that goes uh, <laughs> as things develop um I did just hear... a side note on that oh yeah yeah, yeah go, go ahead. ahead
2: oh i heard a couple rumors i heard that melissa mccarty was being looked at for ursula mm. but i also heard that like back in like december I don't know if she can. I heard like back in December or November, Lizzo actually made a video of herself as Ursula dressed up uh, singing and her, her, you know, vying to play Ursula. How cool would that be if Lizzo got cool. Yeah.
1: We don't even know Lizzo anymore.
2: (laughs) She's all like popular and in California and LA. It had to happen. I know. I, I know she, she was here for a while. Will she remember the little people? Yeah.
1: Will she even remember? I, I hope so. Once that star is born, yes. will it ever call its parents? <laughs> what about, so, well, let's talk about Mulan. Trailer for Mulan? Yes.
2: Yeah. Good Love bets. it. I'm, I'm really excited Can about it. Can any of those people sing? <laughs> That I don't know. They didn't show any. I'm just excited
1: because Rosalind Chow from DS9 is in it uh, for the first ten minutes. Uh, yes, she
2: plays her mother. Yeah, yeah.
1: But they're not in it for long. No. What? Stop. Go. Slow down. Come on, Disney. What? What is this? Um. I can't wait for the. Oh man. Remember this story about the uh, the gypsy girl and the guy. You know the deformed guy that lived in Paris. Yeah. Uh, man. They should make a movie out of that. I can't believe that hasn't been a live-action movie yet. Come on, Disney. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You don't want to play. Uh, uh, no, uh,
2: I just mean I don't think they're like too excited about doing that one for some reason. Well, because it's been
1: a movie five times. Well, yeah, well, there's that It's too. a joke. Yeah. Uh, what about The Lord of the Rings? J.A. Bayona, the director of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, is going to direct... The first two episodes of The Lord of the Rings on Amazon, which now okay. nobody knows what it's about. We thought maybe it was going to be an Aragorn prequel. Um, I think people are speculating that it's going to be um, a second age movie, which covers a lot of ground, but specifically focus on um, the the N- Numenorians. Okay, uh, I guess you know what that is. If you don't, sorry. Um, but uh, we don't know.
2: Yeah. Um, I... I don't know how I feel that this guy is directing it. Um, I haven't seen that new Jurassic Park film.
1: Yeah, you did. You saw like well, 10 minutes of it in the hotel.
2: I saw 10 minutes of it in the hotel. <laughs> and from what I saw, I didn't really like it.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's very good.
2: But um, So I'm hoping that he directs this Lord of the Rings TV show better.
1: Yeah, um, I'm hoping that we don't... Uh, Colin Trevorrow doesn't come to crash on his couch oh, and direct a couple true. of those. Yeah. Uh, that would be bad. Yeah. Um, hey, what about the Jumanji trailer? It's all trailers, all the time.
2: Yeah, Um, it looks super fun. Um, the first movie was fun. The first movie was fun. The
1: first movie had a real muddled message.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, although, you know what? the first The first Robin Williams one had a muddled message. Like, what is it? Like... Get out and play more, or go talk to that girl, or
2: right? What's the message? Right,
1: uh, be happy when you move to a new town and you play a board game and a naked man, 45 year old naked man, comes flying out.
2: Right, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, I don't know what the story is. Yeah, um, uh, always play mysterious games. I don't, I don't. Um, yeah,
1: no. <laughs> don't watch Zathrista or whatever. What, what was the space one?
2: I don't remember. Um, yeah. Then it, it's it,
1: not a good story. No. Moving on. Uh, hey, what about the new Akira film?
2: Yeah. All
1: right, so let's talk. Okay. Taika Waititi. Yes. Has the WB, that's uh, the guy with the frog, Warner Brothers. Yes. Has delayed the Akira film. Put yep. it back in turnaround Yep. Decided it's not going to work. Taika Waititi was line. Excuse me. Titi was um or sorry. Waititi was uh, set up to delay or delay.
2: <laughs> set up to delay. Let me just
1: start from the uh, from the top. Okay. Uh, Taika Waititi is directing Thor four. Yes. That's what you need to know. That's where I was going.
2: Yes. So a has been pushed back.
1: No, yeah, but let's talk about Thor four.
2: Thor four. I mean, it's say not that. called say that. If it's times. not
1: called four, then you're just missing out. Do you introduce? Is this this is the first one to hit four, right? Except for like technically the Avengers. So yeah. Do you introduce the a Fantastic Four in Thor Four, and then it's Thor Four? It's like Thor. It's Ooh. like face off. It's like Thor slash Four.
2: Yeah, I don't know. That's a really good question. It's and not like, really all
1: that great of a question.
2: Well, and I want to know Let's too. Up here. Like, is he going to be in Guardians? Is- are Guardians, Guardians. are Guardians of the Galaxy... is. actually going to be in Guardians. Our Guardians of the Galaxy going to be in Thor 4?
1: That's what's going to happen. Okay. Marvel throws these things out and it's like, oh, that's fun. And then people get excited and they go, oh, okay, that was the right idea and we go, go with it. Think of all the things that they've thrown out and nobody talks about and yeah. we don't see them again because nobody, nobody talks about, about them. So clearly that's not...
2: I think people no are bite. excited about this. Well, I'm excited um,
1: about the new project from uh, Kachisiru Otomo uh, who's going to be doing a movie called Orbital Era. He's really only done... He's only done two films. This one, it's Akira talked and about it before. Steam Boy. Yeah. yeah, so he's going to do a third one called Orbital Era, which to me sounds like an alternate universe, um, sort of space race type thing. Sure, L- oh, kind of like Wings of Anemisi. If you've not seen that, it's I a have great not. anime film. Okay, uh, he's also apparently doing a new Akira, and very little details on this, That's but weird. it sounds like. He's doing like a glow up on the old Akira. So. Don't is, record the voices again.
2: Right. Is it going <laughs> to be except like. they already did. Is it going to be like new animation or. oh no Okay. But
1: weird. I, I can guarantee we're going to have some information about it when it comes out. Yeah. Uh, Amy Pascal, who we'll get to when we talk about Spider-Man, has said hey. that a live action Spider-Verse movie is possible. And I'm like, we got it. It's got Andrew Garfield in it. It's got Tobey Maguire. We have that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Right, <laughs> you're just like <laughs> we
1: we made this movie pretty much by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, the into the Spider Verse, everybody loved it, so maybe we can make into the Spider Verse live action Spider Man films. Right, because all of our Spider Man films have failed. I mean, I guess I, the Tobey Maguire ones did okay, but you know, yeah. fifteen years is forever in Hollywood time.
2: Yeah, but I mean, wh- why? You know, I, I guess just more money. This is just like a, oh, a ga- cash grab.
1: Yeah. You, they will never... They were going to milk all the web silk out of that spider. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Um, I don't want to talk about Ghostbusters 2020. I don't care. <laughs> they okay. cast some more kids in it, but it Move doesn't on. really matter. Uh, here's something that's interesting. Uh, speaking of wise Why is just the word that it just covers this show. It's just it's the through line here. Uh looks like there's going to be a Big Lebowski spinoff starring John Turturro as his character Jesus called Jesus Rolls. Coming out next year. Okay. Hmm.
2: Do you think Thor 4 will be Lebowski-ish? Or do you think...
1: Okay, I see. You're making connections. Yeah. And I, I respect that. But oh. well, this is a different story.
2: Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> remember?
1: Remember Jesus? You don't, don't F with the Jesus? I don't remember. Remember the pedophilic uh, uh, b- b- roller b- bowler that they bowled against? And he rubs his ball with the oh, thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and he, yeah, licks yeah. The, he licks the ball. Yeah. There's enough meat there for a whole movie.
2: Is there? I don't know there is.
1: There is do we, not.
2: Do we want a movie about this guy? It's maybe a better question.
1: <laughs> there is not. Netflix is making a movie called Red Notice. It's going to star Ryan Reynolds, Dwayne Johnson, and Gal Gadot. Because Netflix must, we know they've got the cash. I yeah. uh, Because they've got, you know, we've seen the pawn receipts. Uh, and they keep pulling <laughs> down this talent. They did that movie that you've never heard of that's got Oscar Isaac and Ben Affleck in it. And it's like, let's shoot some guns and
2: what I is don't remember that what it's called?
1: called and you've never heard of it No because that's just what they're doing.
2: Okay Weird. So now
1: they're gonna have a rock, a Deadpool, and Wonder Woman movie.
2: Yeah. well, that sounds like easy money. Yeah,
1: but they should have saved that money because Friends is ne- leaving Netflix in 2020 that. for Warner, Warner Brothers streaming service.
2: Right. Woohoo Well, I guess Warner Brothers just have something on there, right? So why not have friends? So. Why not have
1: friends? Yeah. <laughs> I've got that on a pillow somewhere. Uh Millie Bobby Brown, aka 11 yes. from Stranger Things mm-hmm. is reportedly going to be in Marvel's Eternals.
2: Cool. Uh any idea or thoughts as to who she's going to play? Is there a younger Eternals character?
1: Um there is a Eternal known as Sprite. Ah. Remember that the Eternals are um First of all, um, this character obeys their thirst, um, <laughs> and they are images. I don't remember all their dumb taglines. Uh, remember, their characters are like uh, proto gods, or like yes, Thanos
2: is an eternal, technically.
1: Yeah, but don't worry about him. Okay, that's a different thing. Okay, um, so they all represent, you know, like there's an eternal called Gilgamesh, um, who is also he is the Gilgamesh of the like Sumerian myth, but okay. he also has sort of been all these heroes throughout history. Like, sure. You, there is a Hercules in Marvel, I guess. So he wasn't that one, but <laughs> and so I think Sprite just represents like the sort of fairy spirit or the impish, you know, um, trickster, puckish god type thing. And sure. So they're thinking that that could be what she plays, because otherwise, or she'll just play a dumb, dumbo human kid who gets sucked into it and is the uh, audience surrogate character.
2: Yeah, I could see that too. She was kind of audience surrogate for that. Godzilla film, although I haven't seen it, so.
1: Well, then you are definitely an authority (laughs) to speak on it. Uh, Hey, guess what? What? Tim Miller, the director of the new Terminator Dark Fate, says that Mackenzie Davis's character will scare the F out of misogynists.
2: Yeah, I heard this. Interesting choice of words. I don't think I would have gone there. Um, Is this what we want? I mean.
1: To provoke trolls? Yeah. <laughs> I. You know what? That's what Tim Miller does. He comes for, He's got that he Deadpool movie under his belt. Yeah. And that's about it. And yeah. uh he, yeah, he's... This love, is Love,
2: death, and robots and... Oh, God. Yeah. I know.
1: You know what scares the F out of misogynists?
2: <laughs> love, death, and robots?
1: Uh, no, bad reviews for love, death, and robots because of yeah. how misogynistic it is. Yeah. Um I don't think that he's the guy to carry this forward, but either he <laughs> feels really strongly about that and yet is not self-aware enough... To make content that reflects that, or just a marketing person just said, "Yeah, double down, double down on it. We got a short-haired girl and a wife beater. Uh, Go for it."
2: Yeah, we we really need you to to put that out there.
1: Magic trick, ready? Nothing up my sleeves. Yeah, dark fate's gonna suck. (laughs) (laughs) That's the trick. Yeah, the rabbit done died.
2: I think you're right. I mean, right? Yeah.
1: Let's hope not. But I mean, at this point, you are betting. Way we, the sunk cost fallacy is has gone home at this point. Yeah. yeah. Let it die.
2: Uh, do you What's favorite Terminator movie? Go. My favorite Terminator movie. Maybe two. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to ask you. Do you think, uh, that there have been more bad Terminator movies than good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with you as well. What's your favorite Terminator movie? Salvation.
1: Just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say two. Yeah. Um, it's tough when you look at like Alien and Aliens, and you go, yes. oh, totally different styles, different directors." Yeah. Um, but since it's his own work, like he did the first one, which is great.
2: It is great. Um,
1: and he did the second one. Yes. It's clearly, he got the money. He he hit it all. He didn't, you know. And, and for a long is okay. But he did everything right. It's like when you give somebody a lot the money to do what they really wanted to do and they then right. they nail it. Yeah. Terminator two. Yeah. So uh hey, uh you couldn't catch a hummingbird couldn't catch Elizabeth Banks at work. She's doing everything, <laughs> she's going everywhere. She is. I heard that she was producing. Uh is she directing the Charlie's Angels? I think so. I don't know who She
2: might be. The point
1: is, she's in it too. Yeah. Uh it's like wow. Uh I was at the hotel bar and I saw on T V that apparently she hosts Press Your Luck now.
2: I know. <laughs> what? And Ace. Sp- a spangly yes. uh one piece. Yes,
1: the girl comments on the clothes.
2: Yeah, well, I'm just I just notice, you know, she she looks like a million bucks as she's hosting us. It, of in course diamonds. she would. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh Tiny Little Diamonds. Well, apparently she is producing a Flintstones animated series reboot.
2: Really? Yes. Interesting. Warner um, Brothers
1: is trying they they need content for apparently them, the streaming they, they they Apparently they do. Yeah. yeah.
2: That's their tagline. Warner yeah. Brothers needs content. So um Okay, um, who are I wonder who they're going to get to do the voices? Billy West, yeah,
1: a female actress who you would know who doesn't often do voiceover, or hasn't before, and won't do a bad job, but won't really, you know, there's no Yardley Smith. Uh huh. And Josh Gad plays Dino. Uh next <laughs> up, uh Christopher Waltz is going to return as Blofeld for Bond 25. This was in doubt. Oh, okay. He had said basically, no, I d I don't want to do another one. Uh well, and the money's too good, it looks like. <laughs> okay. I think what Bond 25 is gonna be, first of all, who cares about these movies? I know. But um, it's I think it's gonna be a real closing chapter. You know, it's gonna be the last Craig um there yes. it's 25
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and the other bit of news from this mm-hmm. which has overshadowed it is mm-hmm. that lashana lynch will yeah. be playing 007 in the movie
2: i heard that as well
1: how do you feel about that you're lucky so-and-so
2: um i'm i'm not exactly sure how i feel about it. i don't i don't i don't hate it um they, they're like oh yeah you you want you want you want a black bond how about a black and a lady bond it's you know a bond Oh, that's right. Double oh seven. 007. It's just technically 007. <laughs>
1: this is literally, so, James Bond has a black friend.
2: Yeah. Which he already right. had,
1: Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. Now he's got two. Ooh. Super woke. <laughs> I mean, give people what they want. Now, yeah. we talked about the loud, probably not as many as you think, but loud voices that are mad about uh, Ariel, marmaid or Mackenzie yeah. Davis or whatever. Yeah. There's loud voices that don't necessarily represent the majority on the other side. But it seems like a lot of people want Edris Elba to be a black yes. bond. Yes. seems like a lot of people want a female bond. And with 25 movies under your belt, hey, broccolis, eat this. Right. Uh, maybe it's time to start, you know, changing up and playing with stuff.
2: Diversifying. Yeah.
1: And this is like the weakest way to acknowledge that. And they're even hurting yeah. their own brand. Because for many years, people have speculated that... James Bond, mm-hmm. the name, and mm-hmm. even the number double. Well, obviously the number um, is just an alias. You know, you could have a world. Right. Well, not now because you've brought Blofeld back or whatever. But like, there's a world where it's just a. It goes with the the number basically. Like right. you are just an agent who then takes on the alias of James Bond. Now, why is that necessary? I don't know. It's, it's that, or not, he's a time lord. But yeah, but exactly. when you have somebody else be double O seven. That kind of kills that theory, which was just a fan theory. Right. But it's just a way to nod to the people who want this without really giving them what they want.
2: Yeah, I see your point.
1: You see the Broccoli's ever walking away?
2: No, I don't. I I think they have a tight grip on Bond and they're not going to let go. You see Wade and ever
1: walking away? The writers are like the last 10 or whatever.
2: Probably not.
1: No, probably not. Hey, Blumhouse and Universal are doing an Invisible Man.
2: Okay. After is this the death the of the Dark Universe. I was gonna say, is this the return I'm no. trying for the Dark Universe? This is
1: Bloomhouse, so it'll be a little little smaller, I think, than that. A guy named Scarier. Oliver Jackson Cohen, who never heard of, saw a picture of him. Ooh boy. It's a good thing he's invisible.
3: <laughs> wow.
1: Sorry, sorry about that. Wow. Yeah.
2: That hurts.
1: Um Barbie is getting ziggy with it. <laughs> sorry. Look, that wasn't what? mine. That was that was the title of this article. It wasn't mine. I would never even, no. I
2: I just don't even know what to say to that. No,
1: I would have said, uh, "There's a car, man, uh, and it's a pink Corvette." Oh,
2: wow. There's a car, man. Okay. All right.
1: Uh, I'm still not recovered from the weekend. You?
2: Um, I'm I'm getting there. There is I, a Ziggy Stardust
1: Barbie, which
2: yeah, cool I saw it and
1: looks cool, but yeah. Is there, there better be a Blondie Barbie. We better have gotten there before this.
2: <laughs> there better
1: be a Tina Weymouth Barbie before we get yeah. to uh, to Bowie. Uh, Where's I don't my Susie Sue Barbie?
2: Yeah, no kidding. But anyway, what I, I want to say. I love a Blondie Barbie.
1: I love a good Blondie Barbie. I'll
2: take there, that. There's a Doctor Who, the 13th Doctor Barbie. Who would you take this? Ooh.
1: Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach will co-write the Barbie movie starring and produced by Margot Robbie.
2: Okay. There we go. You,
1: this you must react. You have to react. This I, is an audio I podcast. I don't I don't care. Nobody can see your um, apathy.
2: Um I, I I don't care about this like at all. You
1: loved Ladybird.
2: I did love Ladybird. And that's
1: just like Barbie.
2: No, it's not. Remember? No. Um and you, you know my feelings about Margot Robbie. I I you know, I'm not crazy about her. Tell the
1: audience about your feelings about Margot uh, Robbie.
2: I <laughs> I don't know why like she kind of bugs me sometimes. Uh but some things I see her in and I'm like, "Oh, she's 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 decent. She's okay. I don't think she's a horrible actress. I just she's just not my favorite." And she seems nice. Yeah. Uh and I don't really I don't think we need a live-action Barbie film, but maybe I'm wrong.
1: Well, (laughs) Mattel thinks you're wrong.
2: Yeah, of course Mattel (laughs) thinks I'm wrong. They've got a lot of money.
1: We're going to get one.
2: Yeah, I know we are. No matter
1: what you think. Uh, Hey, what's going on at Comic-Con, which we'll have coverage of on our next show? Yeah. The Russos have long had a tradition of going to Hall H. Yes. Uh, Even though Marvel has kind of been in and out of there the last couple of years, they um, have kind of just said, eh. We, we got movies. Right, we, right. We, we, would three movies a year do it or should we you know, make you wait in line? Right. Uh, but in the past, they have shown up at college uh, to wreak havoc on the fans and show them new yep. footage of this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. They're going to be there this Friday. Yeah. At 11, 11 a.m. Why? They have nothing coming out unless no. it's like, hey, guys, check out this new movie we made with an Indian filmmaker. <laughs> like, hey, guys, why didn't you like Deadly Class?
2: Right.
1: <laughs> no. Apparently, they released a video. It says like, you know, coming out the mm-hmm. 19th. And then mm-hmm. it's like, donde este la biblioteca? Right, right, <laughs> right, right. What does this mean?
2: Um, the only thing I think it could mean, unless they're just really getting fans' hopes up, is a community film. I mean, six seasons in a movie. Come on. Let's make this happen. Would they
1: leave alive if they had promised that and then it was like, no, there's some uh, Donald Glover was an end game, but we cut him out. Here's some scenes. (sighs) Would their heads leave before their bodies?
2: Uh, I think so. Yeah. Um, I I think they would have rabid fan objection. Well,
1: let's start community film watch.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: Six seasons and across fingers. Yes. Exactly. Uh, Well, we'll see. Uh, I've got a little Disney news uh, in in that uh, sort of vein that we'll get to in a sec. But first, uh, Disney has pulled the plug on the FX streaming service.
2: Oh, just completely? Yep. Okay.
1: I mean, we knew this was going to happen.
2: I guess. Um, Redundancy.
1: Yeah. Redundancy is what they call it overseas. I know. Yeah.
2: But I I felt like FX could be like um, some properties that weren't like, you know, purely Disney. Maybe stuff that's a little bit more adult. Okay. All right.
1: That's Hulu. Yeah, you're right. You're describing.
2: Okay, so was this even up and running yet? Or was it? Oh, okay.
1: Everybody's got, you know, everybody's got their own sort of HBO Go for the most part. And so. Right. Yeah, and Fox had a thing going with that. But not anymore, baby. Nope. And our last story, which is something of a discussion uh, thing as well. Uh, Scarlett Johansson. um, That's just Mm. cherubic. Little thing opens your mouth and just terrible things come out. Yeah, and it's just like you know, it's like
2: it's like Pandora's box.
1: Uh, Pandora's mouth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just like seeing a beautiful sunset uh, and then, or a sunrise, and then the sun, you know, has a dick painted on it or something when it gets <laughs> it gets above the mountains. You're like, oh, oh. yeah. Uh, she said uh, in, in an interview with As If Magazine, which.
2: Great! Title I don't know if I've there. heard of that. Yeah, I haven't,
1: I haven't heard of that. That uh, she should be allowed to play quote any person, tree, or animal that she wants to as an actress. In response to the several incidents where she played somebody of a different race, sexual orientation, um, literally race, uh, yeah, she got in trouble.
2: Yeah, um, couple of different things, um. Bring it on. Well, I don't necessarily disagree that an actor should be able to portray uh, any number of different characters. I do disagree with her wording. I feel like it was really poorly chosen. Yeah. When you say an animal or a tree, you are dehumanizing other characters um and i don't think that was her intention but it just comes off as flippant
1: you're okay so yeah it's kind of like i was watching uh we just talked about the film um invasion of the body snatchers uh, from 78 on backtracking uh at uh backtracking at backtracking on twitter Mm -hmm. uh and we talked about uh there's a part where um brooke uh, Adams is trying to explain to Donald Sutherland like how Jeffrey, her boyfriend, is different, and he's like, "Well, how? How is it? Like, is he? Um, What's he saying? Like, maybe he's having an affair. Maybe he's gay. Maybe he's uh, a Republican or something like that." And mm-hmm. It's just like, I get that because this movie takes place in San Francisco. Yeah, you know, Donald Sutherland's down. He, he's 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 cool. He's an ally, but. Right. You're equating, like, these negative things with being gay. I get that you're just trying to say that it's a lifestyle change. Right. So maybe it was unintentional on her part. There's also, apparently, in the photo shoot that goes with the article, she is acting like a tree, or the photographer told her to act like a tree. There was some kind of prompting. Because the thing about her is... That's weird. I don't think she's real smart. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think... I think she's probably of average intelligence. And yet, as an actor... I know a lot of dumb actors who can act really smart, and uh-huh. so we see her play these very capable, amazing roles, which she does very well. And so we project that intelligence on her. But yeah. I think she's just like a normal chick that likes tattoos. You know, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Right. But I don't think that she's like super sharp. Like I, you know, you wouldn't see her um, on a. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a, <laughs> like a discussion talk show that's not just a dumpster fire right now.
2: Uh, <laughs> what what I mean, what about like the BBC like Graham Norton show or whatever?
1: Is that that's just celebrities. Trevor like, yeah. Lawrence is on that show. Yeah, I know. Hugh Jackman is on that show. Yeah. He's like yeah, I the know. king of all mimbos.
2: Oh okay. Wow. Well, jeez.
1: Uh and he doesn't use sunscreen. Come on, man. <laughs> but anyway, so I just you know I understand her defiance and I understand. Okay, is it stupid or evil? That's the game, right? And at what point yeah. do we push over into evil? I because... I don't
2: think she's evil. I don't want to think that she's. evil, Hold on, I'm going to take a drink
1: of my soda stream beverage. <laughs>
2: All right, um, she just
1: seems to do things without thinking about it. Yeah, or she's like, oh, I don't care.
2: Well, yeah, and it's like, which is it? Um, I I don't want to think that she's uncaring and unthinking. Um,
1: Why? What's it matter?
2: Because I like her.
1: Yeah, I know. I like her You know, her too. and
2: I have prob- a problem with the fact that I like her. Like, I really, really like her. Like, I think she's you know a great actress. Like? And, and yeah, I think she'd be cool to hang out with. But it's she does things and says things that are so stupid sometimes. We all have a friend like that. Yeah.
1: You know who I don't like? Who? Mike Burbiglia. <laughs> but. Uh, Why is that? <clears throat> because I think that he's, you know, I think he's reached the level that his talent can bring him to. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, one good comedy special. Yeah. Um, that book based on his personal experiences. The not good movie that was made uh, out of it. Uh, a couple sort of cameo and guest roles and other people's stuff. I think he's gone as far as he can. Mm-hmm. But he has got one great sentiment that is the sort of title of his one, one good like comedy show, which is, What I Should Have Said Was Nothing. It is... Acknowledging the idea that there's a complicated situation here right. and I don't know how I feel. I don't know where I come down or what I want to really pledge my allegiance to. <clears throat> but I understand that in this situation, I can do nothing by saying something. Right. And I can do something by saying nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's the situation. Sometimes like, the high road is saying so nothing. You've got so many times. Yeah. Do they get these guys drunk? How do they get them to...
2: To say what they Because I've please?
1: interviewed people. You're going to hear the result of that in a little bit. But I'm not like, but come on, though. Like, how do you really feel? Come on, come on, come on. Right, like, you don't
2: needle them at or At some anything. point, you're
1: just like, okay, yeah, yeah, well, I don't know. Who can say? Right. But instead, it's just like... Yeah, you know what? I am pissed. What's wrong with all these trans people who want to play trans people and have roles? I want those roles. Gimme. Yeah. And of course, it's be- it's become a great meme. You know, people are posting a picture of uh, Grandmother Willow uh, from Pocahontas saying, like, her best, Scarjo's best role. You know, or oh, like, uh, the next, you know, yeah, I don't know. Like, um, you know, you know, Red Tails or something like that. It's like Scar you, know, Scar- you digitally played all these characters. <laughs> oh my okay. goodness! Yeah, it's just
2: wow, just taking on. A she whole keeps life saying of the it. She's
1: gonna keep deserving it.
2: Oh god! Can't wait for
1: that uh, Black Widow movie. Yeah, uh, I, I
2: I am looking forward to that.
1: Are you going to Scar? Speaking of movies, it's Rosemary's Ladies. It's a comedy film podcast where two mythical bitches do witty retellings of horror movies, bad movies, and bad horror movies, and a little bit of demon law. <laughs> just the ins and outs. Uh-huh. Not, don't take this as you know coming from you know the, the authority on demon law. But here's your legal advisement. Sure, it's that disclaimer. You know, yes. it's like this is just advice. Uh, you know, I'm not responsible for what happens. Right. Should you encounter a demon. In a legal setting. Right. But these are the tips that I want to give you. (laughs) They have a podcast where they talk about horror movies and horror films and also not horror films. They talk about Baywatch, although a different kind of horror, perhaps. Right. We caught up with them at Convergence Con to talk about movies, talk about their experiences at the con Mm -hmm. and their podcast. And here's that interview. (laughs) Can you tell us about your podcast?
4: Um, So our podcast is, the way we bill it is, it's witty retellings of horror movies, bad movies, and bad horror movies. And so what we tend to do is we go through the plot of the movie and insert our own, like, witty commentary. (laughs) And a lot of the times we like to twist it so that the villain of the movie is actually, like... Victim. Sure. Um, so, like, we did paranormal activity and we made it, you know, it wasn't the humans who were being victimized, it was the demon who's just trying to get through demon college, <laughs> <and> trying to <laughs> squat in the house, you know, just trying to live its life. Um, so, that's mostly what we do. Mm-hmm. I guess, do you have anything else?
5: Um, we, uh, I don't know, yeah, it's a lot it, uh, like, with the paranormal activity. Um, I like to talk a lot about um, demon demon law which i claim to be an expert in <laughs> jen is a paralegal during the day so we okay. just were like well that's a lawyer right, right? i'm basically uh, i can definitely give legal advice no i can't i cannot give legal advice i do have to say that here's my disclaimer uh, disclaimer i can't give legal advice but yes i am an expert on demon law um yeah like molly was saying yeah. try to make the try to make the villains um the heroes like we were watching Friday the 13th and I think I made a very compelling case about how um, camp owner Steve definitely killed at least one person <laughs> in okay. that. and I, we
4: find that like we we love our horror movies but they have to be somewhat campy for them to be funny like we tried yeah. doing hereditary and we're like this was too good
5: like yeah we had about two jokes for the entire
4: if There's no
1: thing. hook for comedy yeah. Or, yeah. yeah yeah so we
5: like to take horror and kind of make it funny I guess
4: yeah
1: I think I, you were talking about uh, when you were watching Friday the 13th and the fact that the first one is like, once you know the twist, it's like, kind of slow, it's,
5: yeah. it takes a little while to just yeah, get to Yeah, that was the definitely end. something we talked about, like, you know, when you're watching it and you don't know the twist, it's yeah. a little interesting, but when you're re-watching it, I was like, okay, and we've been watching this girl make cocoa for the last two Literally minutes. Literally <laughs> two minutes. <laughs> okay. Horrifying. <laughs> this girl's <laughs> brushing her teeth. Okay, I know they tell you, like, I know the dentists say, do two minutes of brushing, but I don't think we need to see all of it. Right, and I think, like, so some movies, (laughs) like, the twist, like, it's fun to, like, watch it again and again. But this one is, the
4: other Friday the 13th, Jason makes the deaths so, like, outrageous. Like, he bends people in half. He, like, punches their heads off. Whereas this one, like, Mrs. Voorhees, like, she just does
5: the classic throat slit and it's like well she puts her GoPro on and then she
4: does a little partying
1: yeah Yeah. 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 and it's different from something like uh, Halloween where we're taking all this time to build up and see the Mm -hmm. shape here and there until we finally explode and he also does why do these killers put people in fridges or like dress up the kills, you know, that surprise so somebody theatrical. else. Yeah, yeah, right. What's, what's the theater? The
5: well, we Yeah, they're all... <laughs> yes. They're true to their art. They all love drama in high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. One of the <laughs> parts I liked in Friday the 13th was when Mrs. Voorhees, who seems to be like a middle-aged woman, um, throws a, like, is an 18-year-old person through a window <laughs> right. like yeah. and shatters the window and I'm like I don't know how she did that and <laughs> right, we're yeah. not going to talk about the it. Lunatic strength. Going. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: So it seems like you guys watch a lot of classic movies. Uh, do you watch uh, like a mixture of classic and modern horror?
4: Um, yeah we uh, kind of do a variety. Um, so we do like the classics and Know, what's one that we've done recently that was newer so we did hereditary um, we've also done like the nun the nun meg, oh okay yeah 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 so for like our bad movies we've done the meg we've done godzilla and... from 1998 oh okay um, well it's a
1: different kind of horror but yeah
4: yeah well <laughs> yeah. we tried it
5: like we're like what's a really bad movie godzilla gods of egypt um yeah. movies like that where we can just completely make fun of it. Yeah, we also do um, listener-suggested movies. So, oh, cool. This okay. next week, um,
4: somebody suggested we do Hell House LLC, mm-hmm. which is a mumble gore movie, which is uh, handheld camera. Gore. Okay, sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. handheld that camera, like the kind of improv thing, so um, we like doing listener-suggested ones. Mm-hmm. Like, somebody suggested Green Room the other day, but that
5: movie was really good, and so we were just like, sorry. Do we we watched it and yeah. took notes on the entire thing, and then we realized, like... We can't there's, do anything this with movie's This movie's just good. Yeah. Not really much yeah. to make fun of.
1: Yeah, like, I think a movie like 97 Godzilla would be tough because it's kind of making fun of itself, like, as it goes, but yet it's not a very good movie, so oh, yeah. I'm not sure that even its own jokes are very good. Oh, no, it it's
5: was just terrible. Well, and I... So, one of the attorneys I worked with um, had a master's degree in biology, so I was like, I need to talk to you about the science of this, because there's a lot of, like, very the science in Godzilla is suspect when they're like <laughs> Matthew Broderick is like I gotta go get pregnancy, pregnancy tests, tests right? To, yeah, because yeah. apparently this Godzilla is just peeing everywhere it's and I'm gonna funny. test it and oh okay this pregnancy test which can only detect like human pregnancy
0: <laughs>
5: is somehow able to detect a Radio, reptile radioactive pregnancy. reptile yeah. <laughs> and Godzilla is able to like um, you know even though it's they try to say that like oh it's Cold-blooded, so you can't. So heat-seeking missiles don't work on it. But that's not yeah. how being cold-blooded works. Right. So oh, I was yeah. like, we we got to break down how the do you, science of this. How do you lose this like sixty-foot
4: you know monster? It's just mm-hmm. like the like. In it the was Meg. A classic. Like yeah. you loved it when you were
5: little, and then you rewatch it, and you're like, why?
1: Yeah. He's <laughs> tunneling through the pavement. You know, yeah. and nobody can find him. Yeah, right. in Manhattan.
5: And that was the, the same problem we had with the Meg, where it's yeah. like this is an eighty-foot shark in open water, and they are constantly like. Where'd
4: it
1: go? Where'd it go?
5: Yeah, where is it? Yeah, right. Where's this giant shark?
1: (laughs) A middle-aged woman throwing people through windows is way more believable than that. Right, 100%, yeah. I saw that you guys watched uh, Monster Squad recently, and I think that you had mentioned that You know, it's fun, but there's a lot of um, those sort of dated problematic tropes Mm -hmm. in it. That has to be something that you run into a lot in horror films.
4: A lot in horror, like horror films or even like films from the 90s or 80s. Like I think we mentioned too, like we watched Miss Congeniality a Mm -hmm. while ago. Not for the podcast. Not for the podcast. Just because. because. (laughs) because. It's not a horror movie. (laughs) It's it's amazing what people got away with saying, you know, back in the (laughs) 80s and (laughs) 90s. Or what like
5: we didn't even think. Like we were so used to it that it wasn't really like a big uh, deal for Benjamin Brad to be like and I'm, you know, I've got everyone in the office around my computer, and we're just putting clothes on Sandra Bullock and putting clothes on uh, all the other female FBI officers. Yeah, and I think too, like, um,
4: I think it's important that we call it out. Like, we can it was still a fun, cute movie, mm-hmm. but you yeah. know, you got to be like, hey, really problematic stuff in here. <laughs> you know, I think it's important to mm-hmm. note that when you're watching movies. Yeah.
1: We were talking about that on a, I was on an Avengers Endgame panel, and we were talking about how. There's all this talk or this fervor about the, the girl power scene. There's that scene where all the female heroes get together, and it's clear that the yeah. filmmakers were like trying to be like, huh, hey, we got it, we, we got, got it going, going on. Put it in here. Yeah. But yet everybody is mad about it because they're mad that we don't have more female characters and more female films and stuff like that. And I was just thinking, if that happened in the 90s, people would remember that. Nobody would even care. They just would have remembered, like, oh, remember that great scene where all the female heroes are together? So I think it's just like, I think we can give ourselves a pat on the back for being, like, a woke audience, you know, mm-hmm. and for worrying about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And sort of, like, in that vein, uh, do you guys have any, like, uh, up-and-coming, like, female creators in horror that you are excited about?
4: Um, I just watched Bird Box.
1: Oh, yeah, I yeah. I thought it
4: was great. Okay. And, like, it was a female director. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a very, like, for all the memes that came out, I'm still trying to understand, <laughs> like, why there were so many memes. Just yeah. because they couldn't, like, they had a blindfold on? Like, was that the reason they were memes. I don't know, that movie was, was like the
5: most memed horror movie yeah. I've seen in a long time. And I thought yeah. it was good, like, <laughs> I thought it was creative, it was, mm-hmm. you
4: know, I mean it was sci-fi, I guess, in a sense, right? Because it was like, spoilers? I guess. There's something in the air, I'll just yeah. say that, but yeah. like, <laughs>
5: that's what I'm finding interesting lately is the science fiction horror. Um, if, and it also felt very similar to A Quiet Place, in that it's like, we're going to you know, in a quiet place you can't speak, we're gonna take away like one of the senses that you're so used to being able to have and that's what's sort of terrifying is like, mm-hmm. okay, suddenly you can't see, suddenly you can't speak. And that's kind of scary. But we've yeah. kinda gotten off the female director. Um, <laughs> well, but also too
4: like kinda going back to like the female like we we always say like Tony Collette should have gotten Oscar mm-hmm. for hereditary. Like mm-hmm. we think like there's always like the final girl in horror movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, but her role was so amazing in that movie, and I think that horror should be like
5: appraised, like in the in the awards uh, world. I guess I think something that part of the problem is that people still think about horror as just being like slashers and like just blood and no plot and nothing like that but i think and we were kind of talking about this at the state of horror panel like we've seen a lot of very out of the box and inventive ideas with hereditary a quiet place um annihilation and movies like that where it's kind of like horror isn't just slasher anymore it's
4: more abstract and kind of, and also too like with haunting of hill house um mm-hmm. and hereditary i guess they both deal with deeper meanings like family trauma yeah. and that's a lot more interesting to me than like let's just put all the gore we can in this movie <laughs> yeah, and it'll be awesome like I like the the deeper dive into the human psych I guess with horror movies
1: yeah so. uh, we were uh, talking about the craft on our show the other day and we were talking about like I said, like, where's, what if it was about guys? Like, what if it was, like, some guys in a school? Uh, and then we the found out it was <laughs> yeah. called The yeah. Covenant. Oh, yes.
5: Our favorite
0: <laughs> movie. Have
1: you, have you talked about that on the show?
5: Oh, yes. yes we, we did in an episode on it. Yeah, it is terrible in the best <laughs> way possible. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that was when I, I kind of love The Covenant. Like, it's, it is so bad, but it is so, something that's interesting about it is that, like, it's in, I think it was, what was it, like, 2005, Oh, right. It seems like it's made entirely for the female gaze. Oh, yeah. Like, there's mm-hmm. only one scene where, like, um, there's uh, someone like a girl in the shower. But there's like just random scenes where it's like, and we're gonna have the five, like super muscled guys walk in in speedos and they're just going to stand around for 10 seconds and talk and then we're going to cut to like a shower scene (laughs) 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 and apparently the shower scene like with all of them was a little too naked so they had to like add in cgi steam (laughs) afterwards okay Randy harlan was like no 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 this is a family (laughs) film (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so you have that
4: and then you have like the quips from who was it sebastian stan like throwing
5: down <laughs> I'm gonna make you my Ox. yeah yeah right
0: like <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
5: primo writing I can't <laughs> figure out
1: if there's if it's self aware or not because you, you'd imagine somebody would write a line and be like right 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 mm-hmm. but I almost feel like they're like yes I nailed that's it I think it, that's what you it is you think so yeah. he
5: was like writing this and he's like he just like where am I gonna put down. the Oscar
1: I gotta clear this car <laughs> <Right>. off <laughs> of my mantle <laughs> this is the
5: greatest line ever because I can't remember what else he's said he did Deep Blue Sea oh yeah, yeah. so yeah
1: and Die Hard 2, oh, yeah. and yeah. a lot of other movies that are like, are
0: you guys serious about
1: that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys, do you go to uh, Crypticon? That's a, a local horror con in here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we
4: went <laughs> last year. Um, yeah. We actually recorded a live episode last oh, year. Cool. Um, but it didn't, I mean, it went fine, but the panel before us ran over, so it normally takes us like an, what, like an
5: hour and a half to record. Yeah, and that's with us, like, pausing to, like, corral the dogs and, like, chit-chat in between. (laughs) Because sometimes we just start talking. Get on these long tangents. Um, But, yeah, so they
4: ran over. So we only had, like, 45 minutes to do it. Yeah. Yeah. it was fun, though. Like, mm-hmm. I think we're going to go back next year. Mm-hmm.
5: Um, Hopefully more people will come, because we were still pretty, you know, we'd only been doing it for, like, three months, yeah. so... Yeah. yeah.
4: And, the, and the way they arranged it, too, it was a little wonky. Like, they tucked the panels, like, off in this, like, deserted hallway, and then all the action was... Like somewhere else So okay. it's kind of hard To like get people To come I guess Interesting Also
0: too So We
1: like talk about movies On our show uh, But we're not really Like a horror show So we've never really Gone to Crypticon Because we figure Is that really our scene But mm-hmm. I think we're Probably going to try it out
4: Yeah Yeah it was fun I mean like There's definitely like a lot like Linda Blair Was there last year like, Oh okay. That mm-hmm. was pretty cool um, I think we have a lot of People from Nightmare on Elm Street Coming this year Like the
5: girl who played Nancy mm-hmm. and, All of that, so I think that'll be kind of cool. I think last year they had had Jake Busey and like some of the other people from Super Troop uh, Starship Troopers. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, so they get some pretty decent like horror stars out there. Yeah.
4: Um,
1: Yeah. Well, uh, thanks so much for sitting down with us. Where can people find you guys online?
4: Um, We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Rosemary's Ladies.
1: Okay, great. Well, thanks again. Enjoy the rest of your
4: time. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, it was really great to talk to some fellow podcasters and uh, get their opinions on stuff. I
1: was shocked that somebody else had a podcast. <laughs> Me too. I thought that that was all right.
2: I know. It. And they were on panels as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think they had a good time. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, they, they were uh, really nice keep saying everybody's really nice. Yeah, I don't
1: think everybody can be nice. Okay, all right. <laughs> Scarlett Johansson's not nice. Well,
2: all right. Or what if
1: she is? What if she's just like the nicest person ever and also kind of slightly racist and like self-absorbed?
3: Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: How, how long do you want to go after ScarJo? I'm like 20 more minutes probably. Um,
2: I, I kind of want to stop. Let's go
1: back to the island. <laughs> I, I should be able to be harvested for organs for, for anybody I want.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that what happens in wow. that movie?
1: That's kind it. of.
2: I mean, I owned it, or at least I used to. I don't know if I have it, still. So oh, I don't know when Dr. I would have gotten rid of it. Oh, do You know
1: you have the island.
2: Um, my sister got it for me, actually. Oh, well, okay. So... Um, I have, I have that, but I, I, your sister
1: has taste in movies in that, in the same way that a Tongue has taste, like it has taste, wow. it can taste. Yeah. She likes everything.
2: She does like everything. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but, um, sometimes she makes good choices. Um, what's her but...
1: favorite movie that you would sign off on? Oh
2: boy. That is a Really, really good question. How much i I don't of this should know. I edit out so we can
1: get right to the answer.
2: Okay. I, I'm just trying to think like what is a movie that she really loved that I was like, this is okay. Um I don't know. We for her birthday one year we saw Ten Things I Hate About You. I really enjoyed that film.
1: Did so. she like it? Yeah. Oh, okay.
2: So yeah, a, I would sign off on good. that one. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> you pass. Whew. Congratulations. Yeah. Nika's sister. Let's talk about Shore Leave. All right. That's how we're going to just just jerk right into that shit. Put shift, it in there. Right from yeah. fifth down into third. Engine flies out of the hood in an oily <laughs> mess. Uh, we went to Shore Leave Convention in Maryland. I was going to say yes. Madrid. That would have be been awesome.
2: Whoa. We would have been about as
1: hot. We yeah. were in Maryland, a little bit south of here, uh, a little hotter. And it is a Star Trek convention nominally. Uh, that's where it gets its name from, the episode yes. Shore Leave. And this is 41 it yes. for 41 years mm-hmm. and has come to encompass sci-fi of all types.
2: Yes, but largely Trek. Um, and and the, the Trek episode that is... No, 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 no. How oh. did,
1: what happened at Shore Leave?
2: Oh, what happened at Shore Leave? Uh, well, we had an amazing time. Uh, there were a lot of uh, guests, but the biggest guests of honor were um, Anson Mount, who plays Captain Pike. And uh, Ethan Peck, who plays Spock on Discovery, Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Discovery, uh, and they we saw a panel with the two of them on Saturday. We sat very close, took lots of pictures. Um, Panels
1: are always unsatisfying. You think so? Yes. Okay. In this case, uh, I don't want to insult uh, the guy uh, who moderated it, but yeah. They are just he he was not a professional moderator. I don't disagree with you. Writer, yeah, uh, and talented, and he really wanted to do it, and he yes. got to do it, and I think it was like it's exciting that he got to do something he wanted to do. Yeah, but I wouldn't consider him to be you know a Barbara Walters level interviewer. No, but then even when you go to like these big corporate cons and they get like, hey, it's Booger and Nuge in the in the morning from ninety-seven point three, they yeah. get just like you know whoever will do it. No offense to Miss Shannon, who is very good at the, <laughs> doing right, that. Right, it's right. also on the radio. Uh, but they get these guys who don't know. It's like, oh, so you're in the the Star Trek disco. Uh, so you guys have bell bottoms on? <laughs> like, it's, yeah. they're never good. They never ask any good questions. I know. And as like an interviewer myself, who I think I'm pretty good at what I do, mm-hmm. you just watch it and you go... What, what would this be like, feel like if somebody so was engaging better. these people in a great conversation?
2: Yeah. And, and, and that I, was like
1: kind of what it was.
2: I, I don't disagree with you. Um, and it wasn't super well organized. It was like, well, do we have mic runners? Do we not? Well, yeah, I don't and know whose they responsibility was. kind of that did that. Was... But some of the, the, the actors like kind yes, of took it over, was which was fun.
1: The best part, because Ansem Mount is a hands-on guy. Yeah. And they, they couldn't hear the person. And so he's like, just got up and like took yeah. his mic and just went out into the and audience. And then Ethan
2: Peck was like, oh, we'll do and a competition. And yeah. yeah,
1: because these two hunks were coming out in the audience. Exactly. Uh, I'll just confirm for you right now, uh, they are as handsome in real life as they appear on they
2: screen. They sure are. And uh, Ethan Peck was wearing a shirt that said Vulcan high five, yeah, which, <laughs> which yeah. is just awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they were they were fantastic. And uh, our friend Ella got her photo taken with both of them. Yeah. They're signing their signatures. doing all that
1: good stuff. Yeah. yeah. I should mention that uh, Nichelle Nichols, uh, the actress who plays Uhura, was there, of course. Yes. And then a lot of non-Star Trek people were there. Um Laura Vandervoort Erica Durance uh, John Glover uh, Aaron Ashmore all people who have been on other sci-fi shows but also on the show Smallville mostly so there's a yes. big Smallville reunion there
2: the guy who plays number four from Dark Matter what is his name?
1: Alex Malari
2: yes he was there as well he was an well. actor
1: and a martial artist yeah he yeah. was there too and that was really neat. And yes. you think like, okay, well, that's fun. And then in a small hotel, it's not like they're just coming onto the panel at Hall H and they're being whisked no. away in an armored limo. You right. know, they're going to be around and stuff. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. They're staying at the hotel.
2: And there were a lot of Star Trek authors
3: there as yes, well.
1: Yes, uh, which people hate when I talk about Star Trek on the show. So just tune in to Enterprising Individuals uh, next week. Uh, for a show all about that. yes. But the meat, the cream, if you will, the meat and cream, don't mix them because it's Jewish, uh, yeah. <laughs> of the story is that we went to the bar that night uh-huh. and uh, our friend Ella is a daughter of one of those aforementioned authors. Yes. So she was kind of uh, like getting us into the group and we were talking to some of the authors, kind of hanging around thinking, oh, it's kind of fun. And I looked over at the bar and I'm like, right <laughs> to make sure I wasn't like looking at a TV or something. Uh-huh. Anson Mount was at the bar. Uh-huh. In his sort of like khaki colored shirt, sort of leaning on one elbow, like he's in like a whiskey commercial. And I'm like, hey, look, look he's, got, he's, 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 he's at the bar. And then right next to him, if you know Star Trek at all, yes. there is a guy uh, in a Q costume, the yes. with the big hat from the courtroom, you know, yes. sort of talking to him. It was fantastic. What episode was this again? I know. I can't remember which episode of Disco was, this was. It was a
2: really great looking cue. Very yeah. tall. And I thought like, oh, that's really
1: neat. Like, I want to take a picture. But it's like, don't take pictures of people when they can't see you. That's not the deal they made when right. they became a celebrity. Yeah. And Ella found out about this. And Ella, powered by youthful exuberance. Yes. And I think vodka tonic uh, <laughs> was like, I'm going over there. It's like, okay, fine. Uh-huh. She went over there and she came back. And we're like, what what happened? she's like, well, I just said... Hey, you know, there's, um, there, love your work, uh, there's a bunch of uh, Star Trek authors and some of the people who have written like the d- disco tie-in books are over there in the corner. You mm-hmm. know, if you get a chance to stop by, they'd really love it. And okay, fine, nothing really happens, half right. an hour goes by uh, and p- we're over in the corner like past, you know, m- on my right side, a khaki blur goes by and I'm <laughs> like, no, no. And he came over and he introduced himself and he yes. talked with all of the authors there yes. and spent like an hour in the corner just talking to everybody mm-hmm. while we were there and it was mm-hmm. just like ah, it was it was nuts it like was I don't really nuts I don't get starstruck. There's a thing that when you see somebody on TV and then you see them in real life that you need to sort of clink kind of like align your perceptions of them mm-hmm. uh, and that happens a little bit but also like I've done that a lot now and so I kind of, I've gotten over that sort of thing. But there was something about him. Yes. Which is... He has a presence. aforementioned handsomeness. Yes. The smell of sandalwood. And (laughs) he looks exactly like he looks... On TV. ...playing Pike. Yes. I don't know if they... Like, I don't... Here's something. I don't know if he's, like, keeping his look because maybe there's a future uh, part in it for him.
2: That'd be really cool. Or they
1: just designed Pike's look around him. But he, like, I shook his hand twice... And when he grabs your hand and he looks in your eye, you are talking to Captain Pike. It's crazy.
2: Yes. Yes. I got to shake his hand as well. I, I was just... I didn't even know what to say. I was like, I'm he got such a, a fan of yours. Yeah. <laughs> and like and we I talked said. about the
1: podcast. You got a card for my podcast too.
2: Which is awesome. I, I hope you... He's a hear, podcaster. Me, yeah, I know. But
1: I'm not going to send you to his podcast. No.
2: Well, I <laughs> hope... Because he
1: didn't give me an interview.
2: <laughs> I hope you hear from him. I hope... You well, know. I don't.
1: I mean... I don't expect that to ever happen, but just oh, like that would be so to cool, get a though. chance to meet him was cool. Yes. And the reason that I bring up that he looks just like that man you see on the screen mm-hmm. is because Ethan Peck doesn't. This is true. And we know that because about 45 minutes later, <laughs> Ethan Peck came over.
4: Because of Ella. And
1: spent the rest of the night, the hours and yes. hours with us there. Yes. Just to, Which, by the way, this is... This is a good looking man as well. Yeah, yeah. I just said that he looks different. You know, it's the bowl cut. It's the beard. Everything yes. that is Spock on the screen. Like just seeing like this handsome guy. No point of ears. With guns, you know, just the guns. Yeah, I know. Uh, talking to him was crazy. And yes. um, yeah, he just was, he was just holed up in a corner, you know, like it was just a party, which mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. And talking to us, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Dave Gallanter, a Star Trek author, Uh, really got into it with him. Um, Not like got into it. They were talking and uh, he was teaching him like sign language, like dirty sign language. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about (laughs) being Spock. And I'm not going to do it on the Star Trek show. I've got to do it here. Okay. But first of all, Ethan, you know, had had uh, a number of alcohol. He wasn't messy, but he was, uh, you know, young guy. He was feeling it. He's feeling good. Yeah. And Dave wrote a novel about Spock. Um, in 2015, called "Crisis of Consciousness," and so Dave knows a lot about Spock, and they were talking about the character and everything. And somebody asked him, you know, we don't know. People have said that there might be a Pike Spock series, or Spike uh, Spike um, Spock's available to possibly to come back in season three. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about that? Like, could you do it? And every other time I've heard Ethan Peck talk about his journey to being Spock. And Ethan Peck himself is Hollywood royalty. His grandfather is Gregory Peck. I you know, know. His father was I uh, I think an actor as well. And so, yeah, I've heard him talk about like how humble he is and how he talked to the Nimoy family and he read the I Am Not Spock biography. And mm-hmm. he was like this whole time he was just thinking about it, like meditating. What, what should I do? And when he's asked that question in the bar <laughs> at 1 a.m., he's like, yeah, I could do it again. I'll crush it. It's in me now. <laughs> 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 yeah, all right. That's what I want to hear. Now oh, the mics are off. He's like piece of piss. Yeah, I know, right. <laughs> Can't wait. So that was really great. And you know, lest you think that I am uh denigrating him. Uh here's a story. Um there was a fan that was going to the con. Who had mobility issues. Yes. Um, he had, uh, you know, just couldn't walk well. And I don't know exactly what his situation was, but he had to spend a lot of the con, like, outside. On he avenge. had a lot of friends, yes. you know, who were at the con as well. And they would um, come out and, like, hang out with him and stuff. Yeah. But he was just sort of there. And one of those friends came up in the bar and just said, I know this is weird. I know this is an imposition, but, you know, I've got this friend. Um, and he really loves Spock. Would you go out? And he's like, hold my drink. Gave his drink to Ella and just yeah. went out and spent a half an hour talking to that guy outside.
2: Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Very down to earth. He's
1: drinking that Hollywood money Yeah. <laughs> Ella what? had a little sip. She said it was good whiskey.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so anyway, uh, great experience. And then just to tie it back to Convergence, uh, Peter David was a guest of honor at Convergence, and he was also a guest at this con as well. Yes. I didn't talk to him at Convergence. I didn't have the time to, although I would have loved to have interviewed him. We did approach him at Shore Leave, mm-hmm. and the first thing he said when we said, we're oh, from the Twin Cities, we were at Convergence, was... Best con I've ever been to. Yeah. Great. People are great. Had a great time. C- can't wait to go back. Like, mm-hmm. so I just, you know, if you are a volunteer or somebody who organizes Convergence or have worked there or even a fan who made it a great show, like, congratulations to you because you really impressed what, what I thought, <laughs> what I've always thought to be a hard to impress kind of ornery guy. And yeah. And he was a delight to talk to. Yeah, he was. But then we had the same uh, thing with Chris Claremont, too.
2: I I have had I have nothing but wonderful things to say yes. about Mr. Claremont. Well, <laughs> we we had a really told interesting on conversation. Shows. With like him. there,
1: he he saved his ire for the things that deserved it, for not for people who uh, who just wanted to talk
2: to him. No, we talked to him for a really long time. Yeah, 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 but different story. I know. Did but search
1: in the archives. Fantastic. Just yeah, yeah. So anyway, it was great. Uh, another person that we had a great time talking to was Nancy Atkinson, the author of Eight Years to the Moon. Yes. And here's our interview with her. It's just in a, a totally different location.
3: Okay. Uh, we've oh, never been downtown okay. here before when I hear the word space I think of outer space because <laughs> that's course. that's my that's my jam that's so. <laughs> who I'm
1: talking to Nancy Atkinson uh, and your new book is uh, eight years to the moon uh, which just came out this week
3: right July 2nd
1: well congratulations on that
3: thank you very much uh, what was your
1: what was the impetus of your interest in space where did that come from
3: It actually uh, stemmed from the Apollo program. I don't know if I remember specifically sitting there and watching (laughs) Apollo 11. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I do remember sitting with my family and maybe it was the later missions, um, you know, watching TV and just being kind of uh, enraptured by it. You know, the whole concept of going to faraway places and seeing things that that have never been seen before, doing things that had never been done before, that kind of thing. And it just, uh, you know, and shortly after that, we had the, uh, you know, the planetary missions that went to Mars and the Voyager mission that went through the solar system. And so I think that whole concept, I remember, I don't know if uh, you guys are old enough to remember weekly readers. Uh, I don't know if we are either. <laughs> <laughs> Weekly readers in school were the a little kind of newsletter that that kids okay. got, yeah, and yeah. and it always had pictures from of the planets, from you know of space, sure. uh, from from these missions that were exploring our solar system. So that just really really caught my attention and. Uh, I feel like I have the best job in the world because I get—I uh, I am an English major. Okay. I always have been interested in space. Yeah. So uh, I get to write about space. About and, that thing you love. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> and the eight years in question is, is the eight years of the Apollo program.
3: Right, so um, in uh, May of 1961, President Kennedy... Proposed to NASA and to Congress and to our country, I guess. And that, this is his
1: famous speech about going to the moon.
3: Yeah, it's not quite as famous as one he made in 1962, but in 1961 right. was the first time he he proposed that NASA should go to the moon. And uh, so the eight years in the book encompasses from um, uh, the years from Kennedy's grand challenge to uh, the the Apollo 11 moon landing in 1969, and then the epilogue does cover the the remaining Apollo missions in in pictures and captions
1: yeah and the motivation behind that I mean it was like a political sort of decision for him right as much as
3: yeah as much (laughs) as there was the the grand challenge of inventing new technology and going places that had never been gone before doing things that had never been done before um, there was the the main thrust of it was political you know uh, is is uh, d- democracy better than communism and and the and at first it was uh you know the soviet union won on every space challenge yeah you know they were the first to put a, a human in space yeah. they were the first to have a, a human in orbit the first woman in space
0: mm-hmm.
3: uh, the first spacewalk mm-hmm. they were all done by the soviet union uh, and nasa i guess or Kennedy, Congress, uh, the United States decided to move the goalposts of reaching the moon, Right. and th- that was the finish line. And they, and they made it first.
1: If yeah, if we win that one, then all the other ones don't matter. Right. That's kind of the way.
3: <laughs> that's kind of the way it turned out. And uh, yeah, it's um, it, it's it's an interesting time in history because of everything that was going on. Yeah. You know, not a, only did we have. All of the things that were going on with trying to get to the moon, but of course we had uh, racial issues and, yeah. and uh, the Vietnam War and uh, the women's movement was just gaining traction, and so it was the 60s uh, was just an incredible time, and so I try to incorporate that all into the book, although so many of the people that I interviewed said they were kind of oblivious to everything going on in the country besides just they were just they were on so <laughs> focused on getting the, their work done and trying to make this happen before the end of the decade
1: yeah now this was a while ago so you're talking to scientists and engineers you're interviewing people uh, who's around still a lot of those people must not be with us yeah
3: anymore. so when um, uh, when my publisher approached me about writing a book about Apollo mm-hmm. um, I was that was a little bit of a daunting challenge because they're there are a lot of books out there about Apollo. Sure. Almost every astronaut has written their own <laughs> yeah, story. Right. A lot of the mission control people. There's documentaries, movies. Uh, there's even a movie about the mission control people.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And so I knew that I had to do something different uh, because, uh, again, I was, wanted to do something that had never been done before. Sure. Um, and so I found the people that worked completely behind the scenes. Okay. Uh, people, a lot of these people, uh, the general public may have never heard of, but yet they made really important and sometimes pivotal contributions mm-hmm. to Apollo being so successful. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a challenge to find them at first uh, because they're most, you know, they're all in their 70s and 80s, mm-hmm. the ones that are still alive. Yeah. And so finding them was a bit of a challenge, but once I did find them. I, you know, I initially started out thinking, oh, maybe I'll get to interview about 20 of them or so. And it just kind of snowballed. So I would talk to one guy, and I'd say, well, you know, what about this? And he'd say, oh, you really need to talk to John. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then I'd talk to John and ask him a question. Well, you need to really talk to Pete. And, you know, sure. so it just kind of snowballed. So I did end up interviewing about 40 people. Mm-hmm. And they were not only people at NASA, but also at some of the contractor companies. Yeah, sure. So one of the things that I think people have forgotten about the Apollo program is just how big of an effort it was. Mm-hmm. So it's been estimated that it took approximately 400,000 people around the country and around the world as well wow. to make everything happen. And that so that includes all the companies that were building the spacecraft, the components for communications and life support and mm-hmm. everything that was needed um, down to the nuts and bolts that were required that would be strong well, enough to withstand with the rigors of, of, of launch and yeah. and flying in space and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So... Um, It it was a huge effort. So I I, uh, had the chance to interview a few people that worked at some of the contractor companies as well as um, the MIT Instrumentation Lab, which was responsible for the Apollo navigation computer. Yeah, yeah. I
1: love hearing about how the navigation computer has, you know, like... Fifteen meg of RAM or whatever it is compared to yeah, like our supercomputers now. It's
3: unbelievable. I mean, they measured things differently back then. It's kind of hard to compare, but it was they measured things in words. How many words? How you many can words fit. it could yes, do? <laughs> yeah. And the the keyboard for the Apollo computer was uh, just numbers. Okay. And they had to punch in codes for whatever um, program they wanted to run or I whatever see. process they wanted okay. to do. Sure. So um, there was a, a handy little cheat sheet booklet right. hanging on the side of it and uh don't but, lose that yeah but uh people that i talked to said it was it became kind of second nature after they used it a lot yeah you know it's, it's kind of like one of them compared it to you know like playing a piano after a while you just kind of get to know where the keys are sure you know what yeah. you got to play you know what keys you got to push just and feel it yeah yeah I,
1: some of the modern tools that we have for uh, studying these things is so amazing. I have a friend that has a, a science and space uh, blog and Twitter, and she does like live broadcasts of, like, say, the Apollo 11 moon landing, so you can kind of follow it in real time. Um, and when I was a kid and I was a NASA geek, I used to read the the mission transcripts and the mission logs of the communications and stuff like that and just... I don't know, it's just dry, but for a young NASA kid, it's really fascinating. Um, yeah. You know, our relationship with space exploration has changed. You know, There are more missions uh, going on than there's ever been. There's more in planning. But at the same time, I feel like the public perception of it is small. And, of course, you know, the space shuttles are grounded, and it seems like NASA's funding is always up in the air. Um, is it just a different time now? Are we different as a society? We're not quite as fascinated as we were uh, in the 60s and 70s with space travel?
3: Um yeah, I think that, uh, of course, everything was new back then. It yeah. was all a new challenge. It was all, you know, nobody had been to space before. Uh, you know, they didn't even know if the human body uh, could function in space, whether right. people could swallow, whether their brains would work. I love now, the fact that, of they,
1: that they didn't know if they'd stepped on the moon, they would, like, sink, you know, right, into moon yeah. dust or that something was another. Like
3: that. <laughs> that was another thing, too, that uh, this... Uh, they yeah they truly did not know the surf what the surface of moon was going to be like so um yeah it's a it's a different time. I could tell when I interviewed these people that um, they were a little disappointed with how things have turned out okay. you know I think everybody when we went to the moon uh you know by two by the year two thousand we were going to yeah. be on Mars or you know maybe even sooner so, sure um, it's a
1: photogenic moment yes you know? <laughs> right
3: so um you know not that they didn 't love working on the space shuttle, which was the next um, mm-hmm. program that NASA did after Apollo because uh, that that program had its hit its own challenges and rewards and and all of that but I think um, yeah they it, it just never um, while it captured the public 's attention, it only captured it for a short time yeah. uh, you know people started complaining when the the later Apollo missions were cutting into the soap operas. And, right, uh, yeah. And the new, I want to watch Heidi. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, yeah, it's, um, as a space geek myself, it's, it's always kind of a roller coaster, because yeah. you hear about all these wonderful missions and proposals and ideas that NASA has, and then, of course, every... Uh, four to eight years. Whenever a new uh, administration comes in, we get right. new plans, and or right. a, a change in plans, or a cut in plans, or or grand challenges uh, that don't get adequately funded. Yeah. So that's that's the issue. Is 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 basically money. Space exploration is is truly expensive, yeah. and it takes a lot of uh, of capital. It takes a lot of investment and, um, and, and new technology. But so when, when uh, people ask me, you know, why should we go to space when we've got so many problems here on Earth, <clears throat> I always say that I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. Interesting. yeah. Because um, when we try new things and expand our horizons and need to create new technologies and new ways of thinking, um, so many times that ends up you know, changing things here on Earth, yeah. and you know there's the uh, the phrase of NASA spinoffs of how many things we have in our homes today that are a result of oh, the space program. Yeah, May, smoke alarms, water filtration systems. Yeah, uh, those are uh, direct direct descendants from the Apollo program, and there are just so many. And and I think probably the most important one is just the while well, NASA did not invent the computer, its requirements for for taking a room-sized computer uh, and fitting it inside of a spacecraft yeah, yeah. really accelerated the development of integrated circuits yeah. um, and all the other technology that was required.
1: It's ironic that you know this process began as kind of a politicized thing, and now politics seems to get in the way and stymie it, if you're going to switch or- every eight years administrations and there's different goals and stuff so what do you think about the rise of uh corporate uh space development and travel
3: oh i uh i'm all for it yeah. i think the more the merrier yeah. because
1: um get some competition the, in there in the right, market well yeah
3: and, and not only competition but just the more people that are working on this the more different ideas you have and the you know new ways of looking at things and new ways to try things yeah um and uh, I think relying solely on the government to do it is just, is
6: hmm. you're going to
3: have a lot of wheel spinning. I mean, you've seen how much, how quickly uh, SpaceX has advanced, mm-hmm. all, you know, in, in all their launch vehicles and the things that they've been able to do. Um, yes, they have received government funding, but uh, the impetus that they have from, uh, from Elon Musk and from everyone that works there it's just it's a different mindset yeah. and i to to go farther and uh to go to new places will require a different mindset
1: yeah well we were talking to bridget landry earlier in the con and we were talking about the mars rover and then putting a laser on it they can shoot rocks and it's like we've got laser robots on mars who couldn't be excited about that oh
3: i know that's that's the <laughs> best when it it certainly captures people attention uh you know, people who don't, who don't maybe know that much about it. And yeah. you tell them, well, oh, there's a laser shooting rocks on Mars right now. And <laughs> any, uh, any technology geek would, can't, you know, can't resist that. Absolutely.
1: Well, thanks for sitting down with us. Uh, your book is called Eight Years to the Moon, the History of the Apollo Missions. And where can people get it?
3: It's available online at all the online stores. I'm told that almost every store in Minnesota, ha- uh, Barnes & Noble store, has okay. it sure. uh, in stock. Um, and if you like shopping at your local uh, tiny bookstore, I encourage that. Just yeah. ask them to order it. It's available for them to order through Macmillan.
1: Okay. Well, thanks again for joining us.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: Was this her? This is her first convergence.
2: I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. she said that.
1: Yeah. Uh, it was great to have her come out. I love the fact that we have um, science-related people, uh, authors, yeah. especially space people. Yes. Uh, we talked to um, uh, Amy um, Shira Title uh, a yes. couple years ago. Uh, and, of that course, was a, uh,
2: Bridget Landry. Yeah, we
1: talked to Bridget Landry, uh, who didn't get to talk to uh, one-on-one this year. We'll have no. to rectify that next year. Uh, but, yeah, just uh, great talking to her, and I thought it was so crazy that her just describing the, the way that she got some of these stories. Yeah. And, and like, are these people alive? Because this is 50 years well, ago. right? And you get a hold of somebody and they're like, yeah, yeah, but you should talk to so-and-so. And no, you should talk to so-and-so. And it was, and it was like this whole ter-
2: grapevine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. And it it's impressive. And it's really cool that these... Um, a space vine. Yeah. Yeah. A space, I like that. Um, that all these like <laughs> scientists and, you know, people who worked on the Apollo mission... We're, we're so open and willing to share about it and just willing to tell their story. And they did something
1: incredible. Of course they want to.
2: I know. But it's, it's impressive and it's really cool that they wanted to share their story so much so it could be told uh, through her book.
1: Yeah. So you can check that book out. It is out now. Yes. I think it was launching that weekend and yes. you can find it on Amazon and we'll leave a handy little link in the show notes for you to pick that up. Fun oh, times. I should mention we'll have a link for Rosemary's ladies as well. Sounds good. Violating all laws of podcast and man. Yep. But we shall do it. Don't
0: get
1: Directly from the mind of Amy Pascal, comes oh gosh. Star Wars Trek guy. <laughs> no, Spider-Man, Far From Home. Yes. I mean, it's not that far. It's, it's just not Europe.
2: that far. It's just Europe, yeah. I
1: mean, he was literally on another planet in the last one.
2: Yeah, fair, fair enough. You <laughs> so can't get any further than that.
1: It, not So Far From Home. Yes. Not a good title. Yeah. Uh, directed by John Watts, written by Chris McKenna and Eric Summers, not written by six people this time yeah it looks like the kid from freaks and geeks moved on to greener pastures he's I got guess something so. else going on yeah. But yeah written by those people and starring all the people that you think of that were in the first movie and also one jake gyllenhaal yes this movie done done this movie done extremely well uh it's made over 850 million dollars worldwide it's the third most successful spider-man film after um probably the last one and maybe one of the Raimi ones
0: yeah should out.
1: Stats if I can't back him up. And it is the fourth highest grossing film of this year. Awesome. What would you think of Spider-Man? No. What'd you, what happens in Spider- Spider-Man, Spider-Man Far from, from Home? Because we're not going to spoil things until we get to a spoiler point.
2: Okay. Um, well, he uh, goes to a class trip to Europe. That's in the trailer. So that's not a spoiler.
1: That's pretty far from home.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, he does not want to bring his suit with him because he just wants to enjoy his trip. And have a fun time.
1: And not hit the desk.
2: Oh, okay. And <laughs> I've been he, it. he's got a plan that he's run by Ned and Ned is not a fan of to talk to MJ. Uh, he's got big crush on her. Um, and Ned is like... Which
1: was such a big part of the first film. It doesn't matter.
2: N- not really. Um, and Ned's just like, don't do any of that. <laughs> like, Ned has this idea that... So we're are... going scene
1: by scene. All right. Okay. Then we get on the plane. Scene two. What uh, happens the okay. plane?
2: All right, all right, all right um i'm
1: sorry i didn't know angry mcconaughey was here
2: wow (laughs) um get
1: back into your lincoln and get out of here
2: okay um happy is in this i guess i'll just say that much okay Um, so
1: here's my synopsis okay spider-man
2: is it so tough for you i don't know
1: this is is a long-running bit for any new listeners to the show uh Uh, we're just not executing the bit very well and we don't always know we're doing it (laughs) uh Peter Parker goes on a class trip to Europe, hoping to get into the life of a young bachelor and leave his problems with Spider-Man behind. But of yes. course, the world doesn't work that way. Europe is being, att- the entire world is being attacked by elemental creatures who are being fought by a mysterious flying man with a fishbowl head named Mysterio. Yes. Nick Fury recruits the help of Spider-Man because, and this was really weak in the film, but I guess the Avengers are somewhere else. Right. And hijinks ensue.
2: Yes. Okay. But that's a good Can analysis. Peter
1: balance, not just, usually he has to balance delivering pizzas. No, he's got to
2: balance a whole trip to Europe. Yeah, exactly. Oh, we're going to make
1: the train on time.
2: And he's like, you know, my classmates can't see me as Spider-Man because like the trip to Washington in the first film, like they would just know he was Spider-Man.
1: <laughs> yeah, every time he goes on a class trip. Yeah. It activates Spider-Man. Yeah, yes.
2: exactly. All right.
1: What'd you think of the movie? Um, go right I... back to your thing about Ned if you want. <laughs>
2: I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh Ned is always great. I, I think he's a great supporting character. All right. Um, sure, I I got
1: to direct you a little more. Okay. Uh, what do you think about it in comparison to the first film?
2: Um I liked it. I I think <laughs> I I don't know. I mean it's 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 different than the first film. Um cuz of course it does. Um uh in the first film we know who the bad guy is right away. In this film, it is more of a turn, um, which if you know the characters, you know what it is. But um, I, that's a spoiler, so I'll get to that later. Um, but I, I thought it was really good. Um, I, I really liked um, Nick Fury in this. I liked how Spider Man is like kind of trying to ignore Nick Fury, like whoever ignores Nick Fury, like seriously, does is that even a thing? That's
1: their bit. Yeah. Um, I. This is the first movie where for me. I really sensed Nick Fury's age, or at least the age of the oh, actor playing him. Yeah. Like he's seventy-one now. Is <laughs> that yeah, right?
2: Yeah. Jeez, I didn't realize. At that. least okay. I think
1: so. Yeah. And um, for and for me, like you know, Nick Fury's never been the guy that like runs around and jumps and does whatever. But right. in the last, and maybe this is a calculated move because in the last one, he was made to appear, appear youthful.
2: Right. And, and Marvel. um
1: Marvel. And it seems like maybe they're going the other way now because he just seemed kind of real tired in this one.
2: I mean, he might as well be getting his moons over my hammy, you know?
1: Yeah, hopefully they can beat the elementals in time to get that. Yeah. The discount only goes till
2: 9.30.
1: (laughs) I thought that this... Maybe it's just the feelings that I had because I've seen it recently, but it might be better than the
2: first one. Really? Look,
1: there's a lot I liked about the first one. Mm -hmm. And I think that the first one's heavy... Stylization works both for and against it. Mm -hmm. It makes it distinctive, but it makes it you're you're locking it in. This is the kind of movie we're doing. This is a movie where the guy from Star Trek IV can tell you to do a backflip and you do a backflip. It's like it's very goofy. um, Unless it switches to like Michael Keaton Batman telling him you he's going to kill you, Um, but otherwise, like very light. This one, I'm not saying this is heavy, but no. this one is, I think, much more of a sort of um, bog standard superhero film. Um, there's a problem. I don't know if I can do it. I can do it, right? But <laughs> I felt like so many of the bits worked really well. So many of the, you know, who who knew that like giving Martin Starr more and bringing JB Smoove on, yeah, uh, would be a great idea. I mean, not that they're bad.
2: They're very entertaining. But in they this. they
1: fit into this somehow. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it didn't feel too long, except for maybe in the middle it felt a little too long. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, the Mysterio was great. I loved yes. their take on Mysterio, which yes, was not exactly a comics take, but it went to the very core of challenging Peter, this kid. You know, he's the only X-Men. Sure, Thor is worries if he's worthy, but Thor is fighting gods. Like, yeah. he's just this kid, and he's like, can I do this? Yeah. And if I do this... And our Spider-Man, this MCU Spider-Man, hasn't faced this yet. Will What will I lose? What, what do I give up if I do this? That's always been Peter Parker's thing. Mm-hmm. Because he made a mistake. He let yes. his uncle die accidentally. Yes. And now he can never say no to danger. He
2: can't relax.
1: Well, it's not just that. He can't say no to danger. And he can't say no to saving people because of what happened. Even right. if... There are a million superheroes in this world. Like, nobody else can do this.
2: I know. And I do feel bad for him because he's just a kid and he just wants to enjoy his class Yeah, trip. And
1: so in the first movie, he, you know, misses out on a dance with Liz. But her dad is the freaking vulture. I know. It was never going to work anyway. Yeah. This Spider-Man, I don't think, has really given up much yet. Like, no. May finds out that he's Spider-Man and it's great. It's fine.
2: It's It ends up being she fine. She even gets a
1: boyfriend out of it. <laughs> so, I know. So, yeah. So, you know, that's on the horizon maybe. But... As far as like presenting, you know, the uncertainty and in, I'm um, no spoilers, but in a sequence that, you know, visualizes the anxiety and uncertainty that he has about being Spider-Man. Um, yeah, just the storytelling is on. The jokes work. Like, it's just a great movie.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. Um, go see it. That's what I would say. Like, if you haven't seen it already, go see it.
1: All right. Cash that check. Yeah. Thanks, Marvel. <laughs> and Sony, big like bigger than the uh, the the two and and the memo line and the amount Pascal Films it says on my check. I know, right?
2: <laughs> Got to yeah. put that name all over. Yeah, I know. Films. Yeah,
1: that's gonna backfire someday. Anything else before we talk about spoilers?
2: Um, I don't think so. Just uh, John Favreau. I feel like we didn't say anything. And, like he, I guess this he's is just great. Gonna, this is all gonna
1: be spoilers. I guess. Yeah,
2: yeah, I guess so. <laughs>
1: Like I told you, if you're holding back, don't feel like you have to hold back. Yeah. All right. Here's our spoiler mark going past it. We're talking about Far From Home. It's spoilers. Man, I can't believe that the Wasp would do that. No, I don't know. <laughs> she wasn't in this movie. No. Um, although we've got to get her in something else.
2: Yeah, because she was just really the second fiddle to Ant-Man. I think there
1: was an Anthony Mackie cameo that was planned but never shot for this film.
2: Oh, you think so? Why do you say that?
1: <clears throat> I read that somewhere. Oh, okay. Um And... I'm not saying that I love Falcon, but, you know, if you're going to put an Avenger in your film, we need somebody that Ant-Man can beat and it won't make that, it won't hurt that Avenger's standings.
2: I know, I know. Falcon,
1: you're up. <laughs> so, Although,
2: technically he's capped now.
1: Well, that's why he can't be beaten now. That's right. So, watch out Ant-Man.
2: Yeah, but exactly. I'm just saying,
1: like, wouldn't Evangeline Lilly be the one that you throw out there and, like, I don't know what to do with these Spider-Men?
2: Right. <laughs> I could totally see that.
1: What am I doing? And she about? gets to
2: fly around. Too, Look,
1: you've been so. saving stuff to talk about because it's spoiler. So just go
2: already. Um, I love the turn, the Mysterio turn, when like Peter gives him—they're the, in the
1: holodeck or yeah, whatever.
2: Right. Peter, Peter gives him the the AI glasses that uh, Tony left for him. Yeah. And it's just about the worst thing he could have done.
1: What did you think about this movie? What What did you think about Iron Man Junior, Iron Boy? What do you um, think about this movie being so tied to
2: the Iron legacy Man?
1: of Tony Stark and Iron Man?
2: Um I think they had to touch upon that.
1: As the last movie after the Ding Dong. Yeah. And, after uh, Iron, Iron Man
2: Game. passed. Um <laughs> I I, I think, Iron
1: Man passed today. Okay, all right. At the age of well, I don't know, his fifties or 50s. something.
2: Yeah. Um I I think you had to talk about it. You couldn't not talk about it because uh Tony and Peter were really close and you know he was in the the first film yeah. and was you know a, had a supporting role in that and and he really took Peter under his wing so his death hit Peter hard hit him really really hard
1: and it's it's subtle sometimes it's not so subtle uh, sometimes he's sitting right next to a giant, like street art, like uh, mural of Iron Man. I know.
2: But or there's other... a bunch of student art behind him.
1: Yeah, but that was, semi mean, subtle. Uh, later on, they'll just be well going through the streets of Budapest or whatever. Mm. Oh my God, that's oh my what God! happened. And there's just like a you see a quick mural with some candles or something like that, or a memorial. Like he's all over this film.
2: Yes. Well, I, I... I, in
1: fact, I'm amazed that he didn't put the glasses on. And it's like. Holographic Tony Stark. Hey Pete, I guess Talking I'm dead now. Him? But yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> it, it no. Why
2: didn't they do that?
1: Restraint. That's why. <laughs> yeah,
2: I guess. And then also, also they <laughs> probably would have had to pay Robert Downey more.
1: Yeah. So Amy's looking at her kids. Yeah, right. I love you both, but <laughs> one of you has to go with the man with the beard now.
2: No. Um, I liked the beginning of this film a lot too. Like, um, it's like the Betty and another kid uh they're on the news channel they're doing this
1: see you at the crossroads yeah uh, a youtube video yeah like...
2: and they're talking about the blip or whatever it yeah. was called you know where like what do you, you think about the decision for five years what do you think about the decision to didn't.
1: trivialize not only trivialize the blip but also really give us the first answers to the questions that we have about yes. the snap and the blip in like a goofy in form of a high school marching band
2: i've Enjoyed it. I thought it was done really well.
1: And Martin star is like, yeah, a lot of people blipped. You know, my wife pretended that she blipped. She faked it so she could leave me. <laughs>
2: it's like, no, oh, I was, whoa. So, was so sad. <laughs> uh, and then they showed like this kid Brad, who was like a little kid, preteen or whatever before the bl- and he didn't blip, and so now he's right. like this hulky hulky dude because
1: he was in junior high i guess i guess i'm not sure about the i'm I'm not sure how
2: that works either yeah yeah. because it was like five years so uh maybe like middle school middle grade i don't know what it was
1: i think this movie is a bunch of stuff that shouldn't have worked but did because of the execution yes the whole saw coming from a a mile away um betty and ned who i think they they get married in the comics don't they i can't remember betty and ned uh you know had this whirlwind romance uh, yes. Suddenly, they're like an old married couple. I know, right? And you just know, in two hours, he'll be like, "Well, we broke up." I know. And yet it happens. And I was like, what? And it works. Martin yeah. Starr sets his camera on a thing. Oh, my God. On a pier to take a selfie of himself because mm-hmm. he didn't have a cell phone because he's old. Yeah. You know that camera's going in the water. I know. And yet they set it up and they time it right. And they and it the for a while. he does the physical comedy. Yes. Uh, that it,
2: it just works. And it, it's just like, oh, and my God. And that's this whole
1: movie. You know, walking in, that Mysterio is, is a bad, bad guy. guy. Yeah. But you get the ultimate two-face there's some casting for you for the mm. Matt Reeves film, uh, actor Jake Gyllenhaal to be like, you know, Pete. It's hard to be a hero, but you got something, kid. You got moxie. And then he's like, "Kill everybody right now." I like, know. It just it's a bunch of stuff that you see coming that all works.
2: And and for them to go back and add him into. That civil war scene? Like, yeah. he was the guy who was that behind the tech. You didn't think it worked?
1: No, they cast one guy who was in another movie. Yes. Uh, and then they went way back to Iron Man 1 and got, I probably got that actor or maybe just got somebody that looked like, you know, po- box of scraps or whatever. Right. If you're going to do that, go crazy and just get.
2: Do it, pull everybody? A bunch
1: of people. Yeah. They got two I know. people and I kept waiting for. Cause it's for like, more.
2: Three. At yeah. least do three. Right.
1: Uh, I guess the third one was Jake Gyllenhaal, who they had to put in so yeah. uh, that didn't quite work for me something else that didn't quite work was the whole thing about a spider sense it's been this thing they decided to not focus on it um right it, with the introduction of the character so they skipped it in civil war they
2: but they have that like teaser did at, it yeah
1: I'll get there. okay they kind of did it but still left it out in homecoming they, the hairs on his arm stand up in Infinity War, so I guess yeah. he's got spider sense. Right. Now, in the grand tradition of, why explain things, let's just do it, it is in this movie, kind of, but because I think they don't, I think they're still embarrassed about their comic book roots, they have to make fun of everything, so they call it the Peter Tingle or whatever. Right. And we never really see it in action. And here's the thing, if your aunt who loves you throws a soft banana at you, your spider sense isn't <laughs> going to go off, because you're not in danger
5: is, it doesn't protect you from humiliation.
1: It protects you from danger. Right, right. So they have that. So apparently that is supposed to represent his, just like it did in uh, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man 2, his lack of confidence makes his powers go away.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's kind of they're repeating that same thing, yeah. which I was a little disappointed at. But things that shouldn't work that did in the final showdown where at, as he's getting like the, the whole snow globe, like middle part was... Amazing where, you know, you see that's how Mysterio, who can't fight Spider Man mm-hmm. one to one, is gonna take him apart psychologically. Yeah. And there is there has to this point have not really been magic or I mean Doctor Strange, but like or like mind powers in um that's how like a telepath would break down right a Spider Man or a yeah. Wolverine and be like, I'm not gonna fight you, I'm gonna destroy your mind. I'm mastermind right. or whatever. Right. That's that was a old school comic book, like hologram takedown of a superhero, gets hit by a train, done. That was great. And I guess at that point, I'm supposed to realize that the train could hit him because his spider sense wasn't working. But since you didn't step on that, I didn't really get that until the end, the last scene where he does that, tries to do the thing on him again, and Spider-Man takes him apart and destroys like 50 of his drones. And I know it's a dumb part to get, sort of like weepy about but I was like trying to hold back my emotions in that scene because for me that was just like it's one of my favorite characters seeing them understand what that character can do mm-hmm. and also seeing this kid that they've set up who doesn't believe in himself you know is getting all his shit together collectively and just in in this scene that there was the visuals in this movie which I don't care if they're good or bad like I don't focus on that Character's more important but the visuals were nuts and i I really regretted not seeing it in 3D. I'm going to go back and see it in 3D. Okay. But just like that last scene. And then even like the little extra thing at the end where it's like, all right, Peter, you did it. And Spider-Man's like, no, no, you're not going to shoot me in the head. You're right next to me. you know, a hologram or whatever. Like that was just. That was good. He had it. He's like, you can't fool me anymore. That was awesome. Yeah.
2: One of my big complaints. Here it comes. They killed Mysterio. Well. Why did they do that? Well, did they? We don't know. Okay, you think there's wiggle room? Then I will go with that. But do I, you I think don't like when going they kill all, the all the way the to the guys. end. Yeah. Do
1: you think that they really revealed his identity to everybody? I
2: think that they did. I think that's what they if totally that's just did. a
1: hologram uh, put into his brain? Yeah. Because apparently these drones can. Yes. Okay. They establish that they've got lasers, so I guess they can like shoot something and it blows up. Mm-hmm. They've got like these. Pulse cannons, yeah. so you could make it look like an, a, a giant uh rock arm hit a building and it fell apart. That's just like a boom. Mm-hmm. How do they create like wind? Like if when they yeah, fight I a don't hurricane, like how do how does like right. oh the wind's blowing? Right. Like that was all like okay,
2: oh, the, right. all the
1: wind comes from the hand waving.
2: <laughs> well, what do you think? So like in the first movie, he, there's an AI who's in his suit. Are we to believe that she's only in that particular suit? Well, they had Edith
1: in this, and so they didn't want to double down. Although I, I think it would have been funny to have like both of them, Karen and Edith, fighting.
2: <laughs> that would have been interesting. <laughs> I would have watched that.
1: That would have been great. Yeah. So otherwise, like, yeah, I just nailed it. Um, they doubled down. They, they could have easily said, "Okay, we've got the high school thing. Leave that out." Double down. Brought Betty, MJ, yeah. Zendaya. Great job. Much bigger yes. part. Uh, like a Mary Jane that I want to see going forward. All oh, that yeah. was great. My only thing is like, I don't think that they understand totally the character of Peter Parker though. And maybe this is an, uh, an old, hey kids, you 25 year old kids with your podcast. Uh, maybe this is like an old guy, young guy thing, but Spider-Man is an old Jewish guy in the body of a 18 year old. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Like he's like, oy they I gotta do this. Yeah. And he's a guy who, yes, he has doubts about himself he, he feels bad about letting his uncle die. He is punishing himself, you know, by living this life. Mm-hmm. But he never doesn't think that he can do it. He just does it. And yes, he's right. insecure. That's where the quips and the, and the and the things come from, and the motor mouth. That's where that comes from. It's compensation. But he still does it. Spider Man would never go. Oh, I'm not going to do it because I don't really feel like it.
2: No, no. He he does it whether he feels like it or not. He feels obligated to. Yeah,
1: and I don't think that this Spider Man would ever just let somebody, you know, die or be hurt you know through inaction. I don't think so, either. But the whole thing is like he inherits Tony's like, what am I doing? kind of thing. And that that's not Peter Parker. Peter Parker just does it and suffers the psychological like consequences later. But this guy's like, I don't know if I could do this happy. Right. You could you just do it. Like Peter Parker from the comics would, would just do it.
2: Right, Nick Fury is like you've been to space. Please, you know, like. Uh, well, a that wasn't Nick Fury. But, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know, I know. What do you think about that? Um, I guess I'm glad to see the Skrulls because I didn't want them to just be a one and done thing. But I'm also like, they're good guys. I, I just, I don't like that they're good guys. Maybe I just want my bad guys to be bad guys. Um. But um, was I mean. When there were, I like that they were revealed, but then I was also like, but now Nick Fury wasn't really in this movie. I guess he kind of was because he was on a beach. And I read something that supposedly he was at Tahiti, like where Coulson was when he... It's a magical place. Yeah, right. Exactly. So supposedly that's where he was. Because um, so, it's a
1: beach? Yeah. Didn't they just want to sight gag? Probably. So, Look, but
2: was Maria there with him? Like, where was Maria during all this? Yeah,
1: I I love the fact that, <laughs> I we're never gonna get like a Maria Hill movie or something. No. But, so she's forever like side character status, but she it's a it's a job. You know, yeah. There is representation there. Yes. We do see her? She's capable. She's she's cool. But like, it's almost kind of hollow because yes, Colby Smulder gets the money <laughs> for the work, but wasn't really, like, Maria Hill. I know. And I don't even remember that Skrull lady's name. So as far as, I like... I know,
2: She's Talos's wife.
1: Four, <laughs> right.
2: So, yeah. As she all might women not even have known. Yeah, the
1: Skrulls are not quite as progressive right. as we are. Uh, the women don't get names. But, yeah. But just as, like, you know, as far as, like, having representation of, like, female heroes and female characters, like, we're not right. even seeing Maria Hill. It's I know. It's a little disappointing. It is. What if it was Nick Fury was the Skrull? Maria Hill is just following Nick Fury's orders. And right. so I know that we've set up that like Talos and
0: uh,
1: Talos's wife right. are a, like a couple, a matched pair. But like Nick Fury's like, all right, fine. Blizzard, And he's like, yeah, that's right. I'm Ben, I'm Mendo. And Maria Hill's like, what?
2: That would have been interesting.
1: <laughs> he's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll t- explain. I'm taking a call. And he's talking to the real Nick Fury.
2: Yeah. I, I would have actually liked that more, I think. All right. Fixed. Yeah.
1: How excited for J.K. Simmons?
2: So excited. Love that they brought uh, Joe Jonah James. Joe. Why can't I say his name right now? J. Jonah Jameson. You got it. There we go. Um, I'm so happy that they brought him in and I'm so happy as J.K. Simmons. I'm
1: happy, but this is one of those things that you don't hand wave. Oh, no. Because they basically hand waved all of... His campaign against Spider-Man, right? We yada, yada, yada that because you don't just start a podcast, Daily Planet Net or whatever, and then go, I hate Spider-Man and here's his identity.
0: Well,
5: you need years
1: of he's a menace. Get me pictures of him. Right. Uh, And then we get to finally I've got, you know, his his identity or whatever. So it's a fun tease, but it blows through quite a bit of what you'd think of as the meat of this story. Yeah. Um and I know we've done it in two other well actually only one other movie. So, you know, they skipped it in Amazing Spider-Man because they're dumb, bring it back. Yeah. And they are bringing it back, but it <sighs> we went it's a through lot, quite a all lot at of once. it. Yeah. And
2: and Peter probably doesn't even know who J. Jonah Jameson is at this point, which is, you know, part of the problem. Yeah. Because why would he he's ever work for menace? him now? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah.
1: What, Does what is he even what like work is there to pictures? do? Is there a there a paper? Like I think they're just Sony's going, newspaper kids don't even know what that is. Like why would he take pictures for a newspaper?
2: Why why didn't we see Peter He said taking... he
1: should be uh searching for clip art to use oh. on uh he's gonna be a web designer for DailyPlanet.net.
2: There you go. <laughs> um It's not Daily Planet, it's Daily Pickles. Um, I, I, I these right. yeah, you know I'm what? a real nerd. Um why didn't we see Peter taking pictures? When he was over there in Europe. <laughs> For the or, or, trip. or the DC trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He doesn't even need to have like a camera. We don't know even, he like, knows what a phone. camera
1: is. Yeah. Yes, exactly.
2: He could use his phone, but he wasn't taking pictures. No. Could it be taking pictures of MJ and Ned and Betty and, you know. Crazy. Crazy. Isn't Mysterio. Crazy. Give him the peace sign. Zero
1: stars. Yes. The movie sucked. <laughs> Would you recommend it?
2: I would absolutely 100% recommend it. Go see it if you haven't seen it yet.
1: To me, it feels... I know they're weird because they're part Sony films. And I know it's weird because it came out after Endgame. I I mean, look... It, it's the number four movie of the year. Like yeah. it made a ton of money. People yeah. clearly saw this. I still feel like they're treating it like the red masked stepchild of the family a little bit,
2: which is unnecessary. So,
1: like, if you thought like, oh, is this like an Ant Man, I can skip this. Don't don't skip this. Like, Mm-mm. yeah, for sure, see it. Yeah. And they'll make a third one, and maybe it'll be uh, Pete. You know, hustling to afford web fluid, and he doesn't have all these fancy suits anymore. And it's right. Spider Man that we kind of know and love a little more. That's what I'd like to see.
2: I'd like to see that too. Um, And have him be taking pictures.
1: (laughs) Got to get those pictures. Yeah. Real photo file. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Well, for our last interview on this show, and we're glad that you've stuck with us up to this point, we talked to Alan Turner, who is a game designer. He's a storyteller, an artist, a dancer, an author, and a performer. He's worked in the game industry for over 20 years. I did not know that he worked for Bungie. As I was going through his bio, I must have missed this, and he worked on Oni. I would have loved to have talked to him about Oni, which was an early game in the uh, PS2's life cycle uh, that has a a story of its own. (laughs) But what we talked about was his role-playing universe of Edregor. Uh, You can find more information about that at his site, Council of Fools, and also his work in the game industry and using games as educational tools is a fun talk. And here it is. First thing I'm going to talk about, of course, is your role-playing role-playing game, Edrigor mm-hmm. and the just where the idea from it came from, uh, the inspiration behind it.
6: Um, so the idea came from a, a lot of different places. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's inspired by lots of different types of action fiction, lots of different types of um, um, non-action fiction, lots of indigenous fiction, in lots of mythology, <laughs> yeah, in action fiction. Um, um, but the the biggest inspiration comes from working with. With youth, and and being in my community, and recognizing that I I had a bunch of kids who I was trying to create opportunities for them to to play and imagine themselves as important and as as powerful sure. and and every time I went to go and find something to do this with you know, off the shelf they weren't in the book yeah right so that, so there is that and then there's there's also this this issue of. When I did use off-the-shelf materials, a lot of the play expectations, the uh, the, the the way people went about doing things with, with within the culture of the play of the game, mm-hmm. where, where people were often doing things that we wouldn't do. Like you know, my, one of my, my go-to examples is I was running an adventure, and uh, this is a D and D thing, and and there was a point where people had to go and were expected to go into a tomb. Yeah. And in the tomb, there is uh, the, the the thing they needed to, to stop this, this this evil undead lord person who was like <laughs> running to show up upstairs sure. um, was was in the tomb. Yeah. And the only way they were going to find it was to start digging around in the tomb. Right. And, and you know, as, <laughs> as, as adventurers do, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, a bunch of native kids, when I'm sitting doing this with them, their first instinct is to put down some tobacco and be okay. respectful um, and just stay there the night and then leave. Interesting. And say thank you, and like, oh wait, you're not doing the thing. Yeah, and, right. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out ways to get them to do the thing, and then have, have a moment where I'm go, I'm like, oh wait, they shouldn't have to do the thing, right? Yeah. This this yeah. shouldn't be necessary. And a, and the fact that I th- that part of me thinks that this should be an obvious thing to them yeah. shows me how I, much of, I've, I've been assimilated into this into this thought process. Yeah. This part of the culture of, 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 of uh, the game. So yeah. that, this idea that. That games can be used to confirm culture is, okay, is sure. a big thing for me. Sure. So, um, so creating. So eventually, I, I, I worked at this until I found a way to create a, a thing that was more about um, your narrative, because yeah. that was what was important to me. That it wasn't about your stuff. It wasn't about um, how powerful you were. What your numbers it was about are. <laughs> it's about where you've been yeah. and the things that happened to you and how you use those things to. To change the world around you. Yeah, and so when I stumbled across the the Fate system, yeah, right. which had which had a lot of that built into it, mm-hmm. even though much of the games that were designed around Fate were still pulp, pulp fiction mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. stories, which is still very colonial. Right. Um, yeah. I was able to to, to rewrite some of the uh, the the expectations about how we build narratives and what the, those how those narratives are are used by players, and bring it to 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 make uh, an experience that was much more about you, in relation to yourself, um, in relation to your community, and in, and in relation to the, this growing world. So you're always part of this big story.
1: Yeah. It's the emotional element of the game that's fascinating to me because you got your PCs struggling with identity and their depressions, emotions. Yes. It's something you don't get in D&D, for instance. Right. Nobody cares how your fighter feels. Yeah. Get out there and fight.
6: And, and, and there, are, there are certainly other games that, that do things um, where they, they try to... Um, Put a graduation on, on some, some emotional capacity. Like m- most games will fall back on something like insanity, yeah. right? Or, yeah. or rather, sanity, and worked until you're you're insane, and, right. he, and and even that becomes a a terrible stereotype of of of, of, of mental um, dysfunctionality sure. and, and whatnot, and, and it's, it's kind of gross. Yeah. Um, here, what what, what um, we're trying to do with um, in Gore is to say, depression is this thing. It's around us all the time, and it's always kind of picking at us, yeah. and so if we can figure out a way to turn that into a, a monstrous metaphor, mm-hmm. allow you to kind of have an interaction with that monster, and build a relationship with how this this thing um, slowly picks away at what you think is important about yourself, Yeah, um, and give you a sense of, I have defeated it, mm-hmm. that I feel like that gives you an opportunity to have an emotional memory of success. Okay. And so when you're in that point of struggle, <laughs> you can kind of fall back on that emotional memory.
1: Sure. Exploring the meaning behind myth and culture uh, is something that you're involved with. Um, when you are creating a mythology for uh, a game, something like Edregor, um how do you infuse it with the meaning and significance that real-world religions and traditions have?
6: Oh, that's hard. So, um, I did a lot of dancing. Okay. Um, one of the things that we have to be careful about is, for a lot of our, a lot of our native traditions, um, are what. Academics would we'll call mythology, it's still religion for us. And it's yeah. still living religion. So, sure. um, playing around uh, and, and naming and using characters, certain characters, is the same as like me trying to write a, a brand new story about Jesus or Buddha or sure. or whoever, yeah. right, um, to, to Western religions. Um, so, a, a, a lot of the time, what I would do is take the ideal of a character mm-hmm. and then can make, take a sideways step and then come up with a new name. In some cases, I would use a um, a f- I would use a name in language, mm-hmm. and then um, a, a, a re- reconstruct it to a point where people who are with, with within the culture would know what it is, but people who are outside didn't. Sure. And then there's there's just a general hodgepodge of things <coughs> that are that are from from all over from peoples all over. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the things I'm proud of for, for Edugore is that it is a like myself, it's a multi ethnic game, mm-hmm. um, so it tries to Create a space where no matter who you are, you can find something that looks and feels kind of like where you, who you are, and where you've come from. So if you've got traditions yeah. and you've got stories, you can find something that's kind of like your stories. Yeah. Um. But, but the lens changes. Okay. Uh. But 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 the goal is always to be respectful to to, the, to those original um characters and, um, and ideas. Sure. Can you talk about your work
1: with the uh, DePaul Original Games
6: Studio? Sure. So. Um, the the DePaul Regional Game Studio is is, is 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 nascent. It's I recently got a grant in September oh, to start working on, 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 on this the studio, and the big idea is in most game design schools, people are either working quarters or semesters, yeah. and they're typically making small projects that they they just kind of throw away, right? And and most game design schools people have this experience of I've worked on a bunch of small projects. and it's like I'm in I'm in an indie studio. But then you graduate and you go out into the real world and most of us are going to wind up, if you do get a game job, you're going to be winding up at a big studio. Sure. And, you, and and then you have to relearn everything all over again. <laughs> yeah. Because school hasn't re- really prepared you for that. Right. So I wanted to create an experience that let, that let students you know, get, a, get a feel for what that's like mm-hmm. um, I wanted to make something where um, we had long-term projects that went for more than m- more than a quarter things are like two three-year projects wow. the students could come in uh, come in on and then step off of and then so, as some some way or another we would release it to the public yeah so, so these would be shipping pro- projects okay. that they could put on their resumes um, and their CVs and say hey I was actually private thing that's cool um, whether or not they get monetized I don't know because well. that's, that's always a hairy subject but, <laughs> yeah. at, but at least they can say they've done this thing, and the the other part of it is that it's an opportunity for students to develop mastery of a particular um, skill set, mm-hmm. which is what you do when you get in the real world. If yeah. you're you may have gone to school and learned to use Maya or or Unity or whatever, mm-hmm. but if you wind up getting a job at EA and you uh, you may wind up getting that job as a person who does materials. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so if you've learned all this generics. Um, this broad generic skill set but you don't yeah. actually know how to deep dive on the materials then it's kind of hard to keep that job yeah right so this way someone someone has the opportunity to do what i feel is tight design where i give you a small box okay i say within this box um i want you to design as much as you can okay um and that's all you get to do okay so <laughs> it's uh it's just starting off um, we've been laying the groundwork and in september is when when um the first uh, mob of students will start coming onto it okay. so
1: We'll see how it works out. That's great. When I was young, um, games were like a single stick, single button. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, in the intervening years, like even the idea of what a game is has expanded way beyond that into different control schemes and different narrative strategies, way past getting a high score. Right. Uh, what do you think the next paradigm is in gaming, uh, considering the technology that we're looking at right now?
6: That's a good question. I think. I think a lot of folks are. Hoping that we'll, well, I think a lot of people are expecting that we're going to be moving to um, VR as like the next big thing, and I'm not sold. Yeah, (laughs) Um, VR does this thing where it kind of bubbles up like, "Yeah, we're going to be awesome," and then everyone goes, "Yeah, but there's so much stuff we have to do to to use you." Yeah, and VR goes, "Ah, never mind," and it goes away. You can shoot pterodactyls. It's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. So and there's like there's all these restraints that go along with with VR. Yeah. But there's a cousin to VR which is AR. this alternate realities yeah. stuff and augmented reality stuff yeah. um, where we are able to just freely use our phones and look at stuff in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a great capacity for a, a newer gaming experience to grow out of that. Out of AR. Because the it's easy to get people um, the, the platform. There's two platforms. There's the real world and then there's the device that you have in your hand. Yeah. Um, it's easier to kind of um, churn technology as those devi- as those devices continue to, to turn over and, and they get more robust. Yeah. As opposed to like the VR technology where once you have the headset, we're developing for the headset it's until no, it's no to good that. anymore. Yeah. And right. then we have to get the next one. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, I feel like um, AR is something a little more tactical and maybe some combination of AR and things like. Um, um, escape room kind of experiences. Oh, okay. Um, but but in, in broader spaces. Yeah, I think those are those are also something possible.
1: Uh, when I I heard a lot when I was growing up that games were a great educational tool, and yeah. I, I was probably excited about that because I thought I'd be playing Zaxxon in science or something <laughs> like that. But uh, I never got to use games much in my education.
6: Do you see the role of games as a teaching tool uh, expanding in the future? Oh yeah. Um, so it so it, well, I guess it depends on, on what we're calling a game. Okay, so, Yeah. And then this is like uh, one, one, a piece of one of the talks that I was giving. Mm-hmm. Uh, this idea that good teachers um, have forever been using very um, proactive, interactive experiences with their students to get them to figure out and metabolize a lesson. Sure. Um, there's this idea of um, games for play, um, or, or game like learning where we're, we're, I guess that games for play, games for education or, or, or a game like learning, okay. where we're using games to teach people. Yeah. And the truth of it is we're not using games to teach people. What we're doing is we're using a game to, uh, to punctuate a conversation. Okay. So, so what, what, what happens then is, is you, you start teaching something, and to begin that teaching, you introduce the game, mm-hmm. and it has to be quick. People can jump right in. They can do their thing. And then you can say, what did that feel like? Or you could teach the thing, and then come back and say, "Okay, now I want you to touch this with the game." Okay. And sure. so what, what happens there is the game becomes uh, a, a tactile uh, and and kinesthetic tool mm-hmm. to let people uh, who have a wider range of, uh, of how they learn to can metabolize that, that experience. Yeah. So in terms of making that more available for education, I, I feel like as tools are more democratized and the costs go down, yeah. And um, and, and and we have more people coming out of. Like game schools with like this game design knowledge, but not be able to get not being able to get jobs in in, in an industry that only has so many seats. Yeah, that skill set is going to cascade down into these other places. Okay. And one of these other places is education, where now these people can sit down with teachers, which is something I've done, and say, hey, we can we can show you how to create play that lets you interface with your students a little bit better. Sure. Uh, this is your first time at Convergence, is it that is. correct? Yeah. What do you think? I think it's awesome. Yeah. I, I intend to come back. It's. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> it, I, I was telling someone else that it's it's probably one of the most relaxing conventions I've ever yeah, been at. Yeah, I think um, so. It's, it's very, someone someone made the comment to me that it's like a it's like a big family picnic <laughs> with 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 geeks and nerds, and I say okay yeah I can buy that, I can, that. Yeah. I, can, I can feel it yeah I kind of feel it. We've been treated really well as as, as a guest of honor. Good. I think um, the coordination of, of all the volunteers is, is is fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, just the fact that we've got they volunteers managing um, managing uh, um, elevators yeah. and helping people uh, with accessibility issues. Mm-hmm. I, I I I can tell you I've never seen that at a con yeah. in Chicago. Okay. Um, so you 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 by far one up us in in that space, especially. For our con is run by volunteers. That's, yeah. that's
1: fantastic. Yeah. I
6: just heard Peter David talking about gummy berry juice. So I'm happy.
1: Yeah. I don't know <laughs> what the context of that was. Well, thanks so much for sitting down with us. Um, where can people find you and your work online?
6: Um, you can find my work at council of fools.com slash blog. Uh, that, that's, that's my main, um, um, place where I put up st- my, my random thoughts. Yeah. Um, I'm also on Twitter at, at council Fools. and, um, yeah, those those are those are the two biggest places to, to reach out and find me. All right, thanks again. Thank you.
1: Where are my educational games?
2: I don't know. I'm not talking
1: about the Oregon Trail.
2: <laughs> or maybe I am. I'm
1: trying to think if I learned anything from playing. The, you can get dysentery. I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. I think we all learned that.
2: Or or you can starve or you can. You know, uh, what happens when it gets flooded? You just drown?
1: We're talking about two different versions of Oregon Trail because we're from two different time periods. All right, if you say Mine was from the uh, Commodore, uh, no, the Apple IIe (laughs) era. It was on Commodore II. Could you, like, lose children? Could you trade children? I
2: can't remember if you could lose children There's a movement in games called
1: Can You Pet the Dog? And it's like, here's an up-down rating of games. Mm -hmm. Can you pet the dog? Right. So there's a dog in the game. Can you pet it? Okay. Press triangle to pet dog. Right. And what that, what's behind that is just the idea of, I guess, animal loving, but also, what's the thought that went behind the interactivity here? Sure. Do we create a world that just has avatars for you to destroy to, you know, sate your bloodlust, or are you trying to create a world where <laughs> it doesn't have to be Shenmue, but where you can interact with The world that you're in. We presented these things for you to appreciate and enjoy and Mm -hmm. to live a digital life through this character beyond just ending other lives. Right. So my thing is not, can you pet the dog? Can you sell your kid?
2: Wow. That's terrible. That is horrible.
1: Can can you sell your kid? No. No, you cannot. For potatoes so you can make it through that next river fording. No. No, you cannot. It's like, sorry. Sorry, Albert.
2: I just remember so much dysentery from War uh, <laughs> True. No, that's okay.
1: That's...
2: <laughs> I mean, seriously, I just, like, I, I could remember. you die of anything else? So I don't dysentery. know. It was just so much.
1: I've never seen so much dysentery. Yeah.
2: And then there was so many, like, were, were the, I can't even remember. Was it like a skull and crossbone that came up? Or did, was it just like I didn't play a yours. flooded um, Mine was
1: green wagon. and white. Mine was green and white.
2: Mine was too. Oh, okay. Whatever. It was very simplistic.
1: Did you shoot, how many more minutes do we want to do? On
2: Oregon Trail. I don't know. We'll do
1: a whole separate show later, I okay. guess. So anyway, uh, thanks to Ellen for talking to us. And thanks to Rosemary's Ladies and to Nancy as well. Yes. Uh, great talking with all of them. Yes. Uh, it was a good year to find new people to talk to because a lot of our sort of favorite uh, standbys that we talked to did not come this year.
2: Yeah, it was a, a year of uh, new beginnings and new experiences um, at the at a new hotel. Uh, and they were they were great. Uh, they were great hosts. In video um,
1: games, Scarlett Johansson can play any person, tree, or animal.
2: All right, wow, <laughs> with
1: no problem. Wow, right?
2: Can can you? got to get her what into is video a game games. game you can play as a tree?
1: We got. <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. I'll take that challenge. Okay. Uh, what do you consider to be a tree?
2: I don't know. What What was the uh, grandmother Willow and and Pocahontas again? I
1: there is a Pocahontas game. I think you can only play. Um, uh, Pocahontas t- 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 chir- Chirrup Flipper um, Flapjack
2: Miko Miko was Miko the, Was the raccoon I think
1: Yeah okay I think you at some point Play the animals Okay Here you go There's a game called Starflight And Starflight 2 They are a um, Ship simulator type game a Little bit of role playing elements And there is a race Of plant uh, Aliens in that uh, That make good Doctors If I remember Cool So there you go
2: I was thinking one other Scarjo. thing
1: Scarjo check it out
2: what if you could play Groot in a video game
1: yeah i'm sure there's video games where you can play Groot oh okay. marvel lego superheroes there you go duh yeah okay okay problem solved <laughs> so anyway uh yeah um we appreciate uh, all the people uh who sat down and talked with us um and i look forward to next year me too who would dream get next year
2: Oh boy! Um, Everyone's
1: like Neil Gaiman. Neil shit. yeah, not do I, this show. I
2: know. I, I really wish he would do it, but he did it like years ago before he was as big of a thing as he um, is now. He was pretty big. Yeah. Okay.
1: I um, think he still I, lived here. Was the, the yeah doctor.
2: that yeah. Uh, what? Who's a big person in like mythology? Um, who, like, is there, is there somebody who's, like, a professor of myth or something like that? Or Well,
1: this goes against my instincts, but if I'm aiming this show at uh, 25-year-olds, uh, J.K. Rowling?
2: Oh, yeah, I guess, but there's no way she would do it. Um, uh, uh um... Is there anybody else? Any other sci-fi What do you consider author? to be, stop
1: hitting the table, what do you consider to be like mythology? Are we talking just specifically um, uh, mythoses or like religious uh, sort of constructions because yeah, you've got, pff, what mean, about Philip Pullman?
2: I don't know who that is. His, his Dark Materials. Oh, his Dark Materials. That'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Um, honestly, if we could get... What about the Pope? What? The Pope? Yeah. (laughs) I don't think so. Get him in there? Yeah, sure. What about if they bring somebody in from, like, Doctor Who or something like that?
1: (sighs) We're way off the mythology table here. Um, Uh, You know the mythology table. Yeah. That's where all my Zeus action figures are. Right. Um, Okay, I
2: guess... Um, this
1: is this is not as hard as we're making
2: it, is it? N- no.
1: It's not as interesting as we're making okay. it. Okay.
2: What about like, you know, somebody who's like behind like Pathfinder or something like that? Or Well, I
1: mean, like Alan was <laughs> here right. this year. Exactly. Uh bring him back for sure. Uh yeah. Like a Bruce Greenwood type thing. Yeah. Uh or anybody who created like um like a role playing fantasy world. Yes. Um, yeah, that that's a great idea.
2: Um I, I think that could be Gary Gygax. Really cool. Yeah, right. right. Bring Gary Gygax back.
1: Yeah. Period.
2: Um uh yeah, um I I mean there's so many people that that they they could bring um Bruce Greenwood. I, yeah, okay. Um
1: Not Bruce Greenwood. Oh, really? No, the the guy that created uh, Forgotten Realms. I'd love to, if Bruce Greenwood came.
2: What <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'd like, be you'd be
1: leaving alone. No, R. I mean Ed R. Greenwood.
2: What about like RA Salvatore or whatever? Yeah. Um or I mean um,
1: we're, if we're going to go Forgotten Realms.
2: Yeah, great. Um or uh Salvatore is it Salvatore?
1: I believe that it is yes okay big get big, big get big get for twenty twenty mythology
2: twenty twenty mythology Zeus um, yeah Zeus would be a great get uh, <laughs> what what if
1: you got tiny Lister <laughs> We' like we got Zeus, everybody <laughs> whoa oh no, oh, okay
2: <laughs> does Gilgamesh count as mythology or is <laughs> yeah, okay. What about like Cain and Abel, like, or what? just like any of the Sandman crew? Let's get let's get Sandman. Oh, okay. In here. I
1: thought you wanted like the biblical Cain and Abel. Oh yeah. No, I, I know meant... one of them won't be able to come. <laughs> um, we'll have to check.
2: Uh-huh. Cross-reference, uh huh. Cross reference. Cain
1: only talks to people through his agent uh-huh. these days. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's tough. You know what? I look forward to an education. I look forward to learning who the best choices were because they were made. Mm-hmm. Diplomatic. I want to see a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> I am just
2: a poor boy, though my story is seldom told. I squandered
0: my resistance.
1: So that's it. Oh, boy. Are you tired? I am. Yeah, that didn't reinvigorate us. That was just more, more talking and more work for two long weekends. Uh, but it felt good, though, uh, to share some of those so- stories and some yes. of that stuff. And that's what we do on this show. Uh, join us in doing that on Facebook and Twitter at Just Enough Trope. All one word in both those places. And if you don't subscribe to the show, we wish you would. It's the best way to get the show. Uh, whatever your platform of choice is, iTunes or for iTunes or whatever it's calling itself these days, uh, Google Podcast Stitcher, all the good ones. We're on there. When you find us, leave us a review. We want to hear how you think we're doing. We also want to know what you want to hear from us. And you can contact us at JustEnoughTrope.com, our website, to let us know about that and give us a rating on those services because that's how those computers that run everything know how you think we're doing. If we get a high rating, we move up in the ranks and we get to reach more people, we get more exposure and that's why we're doing this. So to that end, give us five copies of Oni. Okay. Which are probably collector's items at this point. Yeah. But at the time that the game came out, we're not worth much.
2: (laughs) Were they worth more than the ET game? It was e. an, game? such an
1: ambitious game. You have to remember that in the early days of the PS2, like American, some Japanese games I think, but like American games weren't like this. It was behind the head, third-person mm. camera. Okay. Like it was exciting that like Toeball Number One did this. Like mm-hmm. the, you know, seeing it from behind your head—that's just how games are these days. But it was new. They didn't quite have it down. I can't remember if they had a second analog stick, which really would have slowed things down. I think there was on the PS2. And it was supposed to be like a living cyberpunk John Woo movie. You know, you could run up, you could kung fu a guy, take his gun away, you know, you could jump and shoot two guns and all these things. But it just, the control scheme was complicated and not clear. Many times I've wanted to get my hands on a copy of it as a modern player and see if it was me that needed to catch up or if it just didn't, you know, they were working for something and they didn't have it yet.
2: Right. Like, they were, it was ahead of its time.
1: Oh, it was definitely ahead of its time. Okay, yeah. cool. But you don't want to play it, though.
2: Oh, okay. So give us
1: five stars uh, so we don't have to play that. And that's it. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about something else. Uh, and we'll talk to you then. And until then, I'm signing off. I'm your host, Caliban. I'm your
2: co-host, Mika Hanna.
1: Keep the Geek Fires Burning.